Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Alley. I'm Michael Tabor. And this week we have a returning champion, a guest that's been on here many, many times. He needs no introduction. We have Grift. Grift, welcome to the pod. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, super stoked to be here. It has been, Let's. Just, this is our last episode of the year, and, let, and this is our Christmas special, and I gotta be honest, it's been a long year, gentlemen. Indeed. And so what we needed, especially after last week's episode, where we spent 45 minutes talking about how the death of Roe will invariably lead to fascism and is already, we needed to change up the pace. You know, we needed to, it's Christmas, you know, we're Christians. We needed to change up the pace and talk about the greatest story ever told. Michael, what are we talking about? Eyes wide shut. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so nothing better for a holiday the best episode, christmas movie. Uh, than digging into yeah. just a just a little bit of you know uh sex cabals the elites preying on all of us and how our petite bourgeois assist them at every turn just, you know pretty honestly pretty on brand for this show <laughs> it's <laughs> I think, like, Griff made the joke. It is actually, let's settle it up front. I think it's a Christmas movie. I don't think there's any way to call it anything but a Christmas movie. Oh, 100%. Um, there's, there's like, Christmas trees and lights and ornaments in every setting except for the, um, ma- uh, the, the Cabal's mansion. That's right. Like, yeah, the yeah. lights don't lie. And, it's everywhere. like, just, yeah. And just the way, like... The, the colors in this movie are like mm-hmm. spectacular particularly like 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 the reds I know I, oh and I know blue isn't really a Christmas color but like the the, the reds and the blues are done mm-hmm. so well like every scene has these has this sort of like luminescence of one of those colors in the background just and and it, it like particularly the reds really uh, mm-hmm. set the Christmas tone well Um but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a gorgeous film. Oh, it it for absolutely sure. is stunning. I I watched it the way God intended on my phone, oh, no. and I think <laughs> I got the I, I think I got the best experience possible watching it. Uh, that is that is what a what yeah. a complicated visual film to put onto a tiny little screen. <laughs> well, I'm home, and God bless my parents. Their internet is not very fast. Yeah, that'll happen. So. Um, let's give a yeah, little that's, intro that's, to that's, that's how that's how Co- that's how Kubrick intended it to be viewed. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> on the smallest screen possible. <laughs> he was really hoping it was on one of those sort of car DVD players that you would hang from the back of your parents' seat. Well, you did um, make your mom uh, stand in the room with you with her back turned to the screen the entire time, like Kubrick did with the project- projectionist <laughs> during the test screenings. So you know, at least you had a little authenticity there. <laughs> I, res- I respect it. Uh, let's give a little intro yeah. um, to our Zoomer listeners who probably have no idea who Stanley Kubrick or Tom Cruise yeah, is. Yeah, and let's start with an apology to our listeners. Y'all have heard us talk about a number of movies pretty much universally very, very bad. Uh, you are now going to yes. see how much worse it is when there's a movie we like and that we genuinely find <laughs> to be worthy of investing in. Uh, it's about to get real film school up in here, and I apologize in advance. We'll try to keep it fun. <laughs> 
But yeah, Zach, take us in. Intro, introduce us to the world of Eyes Wide Shut. The year is 1999. It's the end of history. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are the two biggest celebrities, two of the biggest celebrities on the planet, and they are married to one another. Stanley Kubrick is nearing the end of his life, and he dies right after finishing what is allegedly the last cut of this film, though there is some debate over that. And they had spent 400 days, still the longest film shoot ever for a single movie, basically in succession, shooting what essentially is a drama about sometimes naked people in rooms. And the movie is a fairly simple setup. Tom Cruise, Nicole Kimmon play a married couple. Tom Cruise plays a doctor, Dr. Harford. And after going to a party, they have kind of a fight uh, about half an hour into the film. And she and, and Tom Cruise basically has been talking about how women don't have any sexual desire. And it was just flirting. And she talks about she devastates his masculinity by talking about an erotic fixation on a naval officer. And there, after that, Tom Cruise sets out into the night for an would-be erotic journey that takes a turn. Yeah, a few mishaps along the way, as it were. Uh, some japes. <laughs> Alice, this pod is making you aggressive. <laughs> I think that's still one of the funniest lines ever. Just written. the dumbest fight it's ever. It's so good. Like, <laughs> It's definitely like classic married, like old couple, like a couple that's been together a long time or married, where it's like, how are we here? Like, how did you get here from like, we're smoking a joint together, enjoying each other's company to like, talking about a naval officer you lusted after? I mean, that's... Yeah, and it's it's definitely um, like, yeah, like that that uh, incident where she had that fantasy like a, mm-hmm. off screen like a year before is sort of the the crux of the fight but it, i think it was definitely triggered by at the at the um aforementioned mm, party that they course. that they had been to uh she she flirts with this like creepy like hungarian like aristocrat guy dude is um, so and then he's <laughs> oh my god like let's let's go let's go fuck upstairs with the statues with the with the uh renaissance bronzes um, yeah, his opening then, line is like uh, love tom cruise is, is <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just he drinks her champagne glass oh, yeah. just like while looking it's so creepy drinks her champagne yeah <laughs> while just staring her down it just it's just like what the fuck <laughs> and, and, and even weirder tom cruise is wandering around with two young women on his arm <laughs> like just like yeah talking about being a doctor yeah, being being the five and seven acting is yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, like m- most movies, like go out of their way to hide how short he is, like with the way they <laughs> shoot. But like it was, it, it it was obvious that both of these, like uh, they're, supposedly they're the models, but they were they were both very much taller than him. Yet they both wanted him right then, right there. It's- Okay, so Michael, do you want to take us to the next section? Well, yeah, I, I think the important thing to take from the party is that both of them uh, encounter lust. Like they, they, they both are, yes. are preyed on yes. or, or lusted after in some way. And for Tom Cruise, it the degradation of Tom Cruise begins in that scene. Like you really, it's so good. it's so good. America's heartthrob, Mister Top Gun, uh, and he just comes yep. across yep. so <laughs> feckless and ineffectual as these these women are lusting after him. And meanwhile, the H- Hungarian aristocrat has, I think, some pretty deliberate vampire vibes. Like, 
Like at one point, yes. uh, uh, oh yeah, Kidman is like ostensibly drunk, but she has this sort of stupor that like sort of harkens back to early mm. vampire tales, where she's like starting mm. to fall under his spell. And is clearly, like, kind of into him, but also knows she can't. They have a whole discussion about, you know, well, she can't because she's married, but is that really a reason? And he has a really weird story about how women used to get married just so they could fuck around. That doesn't seem to... Uh... Which, by the way, I've it's never just, heard yeah, of Yeah, there's, there's a lot of <laughs> Not critiques true. Offer like... <laughs> about the institution of marriage and what it has meant for women across history, but... Women want to fuck more. Not necessarily true, but not the reason people get married. Not necessarily untrue, but not the reason people get married. I I, I think I also want to set if we're gonna like kind of go through the story. So this party is like in this like insanely beautiful home. There's lights everywhere. It is the creme de la creme, and and it's, it's implied very clearly that Tom Cruise is being invited as a courtesy because he is a doctor to the man that's throwing it. Yes, which means he. He's wealthy. You see his apartment, and it's, it's it's stunning, but it's not the same level, right? Like, he has a beautiful place. But yeah. he, this is, he is stepping up into a world he is not a part of when he's at this party, and that's important for the next thing that happens when he gets summoned yeah, he, he before he can close the deal. name checks that uh, he doesn't, no, neither of them know anyone here. This is not their world. That's They're right. stepping into another world full of Christmas trees and also Christmas pentagrams. There's, like, weird Christmas stars yes. stuff. Yes. But, yes, as... As, as Tom Cruise is about to engage in some Tom Cruise foolery, uh, he is summoned upstairs uh, to the to a, a Ziggler's bathroom, the host of the party, because as it turns out, uh, a prostitute is overdosed in his room and he needs his doctor's help to uh, fix that problem for him. This is such an upsetting Which, scene. Yeah, yeah, and like, it's 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 funny how like I mean. Tom Cruise's performance in this movie is literally just repeating lines of dialogue mm-hmm. back to the people mm-hmm. who said them. Um, and then when when he applies his doctorly skills to this um, this young woman who's who's overdosed, he's just basically like talking, like just like talking to her and asking her to open her eyes, like just very like basic mm-hmm. things like it's it's he throughout the whole thing. He's never like shown to be actually doing any real doctorly expertise stuff like he's just some sort of like vague general practitioner i guess and it and 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 it and it um and he he thinks it can afford him uh sort of leeway into these spaces Mm, because yes he's always showing his card and he's always being like no it's okay i'm a doctor that's yeah, so and people are just like, I don't care. <laughs> like, he flashes that thing like a badge like six times, and it's so fucking funny. Oh, it's his FBI badge for sure. <laughs> yeah. like, like, don't worry, I'm here. That and pulling hundreds out of his wallet are the only two ways Tom Cruise interacts with anybody in this movie, really. That's true, that's true. And so uh, yeah. the movie is so meticulously put together that you can actually read it at this level. Like, And so it's... It's, you know, sort of a naked prostitute, and she has sort of a goldish red hair, which will be kind of a recurring thing across the whole movie, but particularly for this character. She's OD'd with the host of the party, who is played by Sidney Pollack, uh, the great director, and basically she took a speedball, the, the, the guy, the, the, the bridge guy who was with her, and, you know, then Tom Cruise says, hey, you do this again, you're going to die. And then decide, and then was like, you should keep an eye on her. And when Sidney Pollock's like, could she just go now? Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Cruise is like, no, you have to keep an eye on her for an hour. And Sidney Pollock is like, hmm, 
Okay, fine. Yeah, he is upset at being asked to care for this woman who just overdosed. He also is pulling up his pants as Tom Cruise enters the room and then later says that she's been unconscious for five to six minutes, which uh, has some pretty clear implications about what this this man gets up to. So creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 Griff, go for it. Oh, I just one one parallel that I literally just realized um, running through the the beginning of this movie is that uh, he got called upstairs to see a sort of Renaissance bronze sculpture himself, mm-hmm. like this passed out, prostrate, uh, bronze skinned woman. Um, yes. yes, and like in in a in very much like a parallel to what the uh, the creepy creepy Hungarian uh, guy was was propositioning his wife with i think it's very clearly implied now that you say that that like this is what would have happened to his wife had she gone upstairs yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh god yeah so then uh zach Um, take us take us through what happens after that all right so after that comes maybe i mean this it's the movie is filled with iconic scenes and incredible moments but i think it's maybe the best scene in the movie he looks he finds his wife they go home kids in bed and uh there is kind of a like the only time that it's implied that maybe they have sex there's kind of you know a nude scene and they kind of make out and as nicole kind of <laughs> she's not really into it <laughs> yeah um it's yeah. like the only scene where it's implied that maybe tom cruise gets it on <laughs> and and then not yeah, long he, after he, he's like he's like biting her neck kind of mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like it's it's yeah, aggressive there's... It's not sexy. Yeah. Nothing in this movie is sexy, yeah. despite there being a, a lot no. of sex and nudity in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think comes the crux, of, you know, the crux of like much of the film is they decide to share a joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, this movie is just uh, marijuana is dangerous. Be careful. It's a dare ad. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a reefer madness movie. <laughs> This movie basically does believe you should you should not smoke weed and you should only make love to your wife. Um, and so they get high together, and then they start to argue about who was flirting with whom at the party. Yeah, she asks like, "Hey, did you fuck those models? Uh, because you know yeah. you were talking to them and then you disappeared for a while." And Tom Cruise, he's so perfect for this role in part because Tom Cruise is a person that I feel like you never get an honest answer out of anything out of ever. I mean, obviously, the Scientology connections to this film are real. Uh, Like Kubrick's own daughter at at this time period was had fallen prey to Scientology and cut off ties to her family. Like there are real Mm -hmm. connections there. But uh, but Tom Cruise is always just such a creep that like seeing him do that shtick of just kind of being evasive. Uh, really works well yeah. for me. Works way better than Tom Cruise, the uh, the heartthrob or the action star. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, you mentioned like, something. Yeah, go ahead, Grift. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, he he refuses to admit that there is any possibility that he would have, um, you know, done some sort of act of infidelity with these two women. And then, but I, I mean, what really pisses her off is when he, 
you know, um, claims to know that like women basically like he's saying like, yeah, women, if they're married, yeah, they, they don't they don't get yeah. horny. Yeah, they don't they, yeah. they, they, they never have <laughs> passing sexual thoughts about anyone. But how do I know? Because that's I just know how women yeah, think. That, that's how like, women she... <laughs> they want security and, and yeah. uh, comfort. But they, they don't they don't have these drives and lusts. And she's mad that he's not jealous because he saw her dancing yeah. with this guy. And she's like, why, why aren't you concerned or jealous? And he's like, oh, well, you know, because you would never do that which on its face might sound like trust but actually what it's coming from is his perception that like women just don't aren't like that you know this is a prequel to yeah. the mel gibson hit what women want is, is what we're saying <laughs> it is, it is uh, at least in this movie he gets punished for his toxic masculinity <laughs> uh and so nicole kidman but i mean all the acting is killer in this movie i think i want to talk specifically later about tom cruise's character yeah. and performance i think that deserves its own but nicole kidman i think steals the show when she's on screen she this is one of her best moments and she gives this long extended monologue about how when they've been on vacation she had seen a young naval officer as i referred to earlier and had felt this like almost arresting passion and desire for him and that you know anything could have happened and and it's just she was ready to throw her marriage away just to just to be with this man for a moment that's right that's right and it's i mean she gives an incredible performance and so does cruz here you like he really actually gives this sense of crumbling self Mm -hmm. right this like he look he is devastated by the fact that his wife would be tempted even tempted to to step out on him completely changes i think it's very clear how he thinks about not only her but himself yeah absolutely and uh like I, apparently kubrick made them do like the the like just the, the shots for these scenes just over mm-hmm. and over again like ad nauseum like literally like breaking down these actors making them do hundreds of shoots so that there are they you can see that they're almost in this like trance-like state which yeah. you can like you can you can um cr- critique whether that was a good simulation of of being like high or or not <laughs> but it's it it, it it does like he he does he does break down these movie stars to a place where they're just these these um you can you 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 can see the you can see like the the, the fringes of their soul like coming loose mm. you know they're they're mm. questioning everything their their um their entire notion of each other in the world is is being shattered um and it really it really just is kicks off the the, the rest of the movie for uh, Tom Cruise in particular yeah and it, it yeah I don't I don't even know yeah go ahead Mike. well I, I just think it's worth noting that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were married at this point and that like yes Kubrick is very much playing uh in that as well uh mm-hmm. he had uh yeah. Nicole Kidman yeah. do like therapy sections talking about uh sex although she she's denied it but it was there's like it doesn't matter anyways uh, he was like <laughs> fucking with these actors, and I, I think it's worth saying that like Kubrick has a long history of being really shitty to his actors, and appreciation sure. of the work that comes out on the other end of that mm-hmm. shouldn't ignore the fact that like beyond just him being an inveterate tinkerer who wants to spend four hundred days on a shoot, uh, he was also you know did pretty bad things to uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining, and 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 like Tom Cruise was getting ulcers doing the shoot like and he like didn't yeah. bring it up. Uh it's not great, but it is like hard to separate that critique from just like what is happening in front of you and the fact that these two people are having this insane conversation that is 
really effective and powerful in that moment. It just, woo. I, I, I think there's still something incredible. Like, in 1999, the, these two were probably the most famous couple in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Like, he... He took a year with the most famous couple in the entire world and beat them down about their marriage, and it's it's profound. It's fascinating. It's 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 a it's a shimmering text about a hundred things. But I do actually think the marriage the marriage story element of it is 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 why it works so well. Yeah, I walked into this fully ready for the the class stuff that we'll get to a little later on mm-hmm. for the the elites and the cabals and the sex crimes and all of these things that are very much part of this movie i was unprepared for how much this would be about their relationship and in a sense what what their class means for their relationship and and so this was definitely a part that affected me the most watching it just made me so uncomfortable uh to -hmm. encounter because this was not the thing i was ready for walking into this film hmm and I mean, particularly how it, it meshes with the rumors about Cruz's mm-hmm. sexuality in real life and yeah. his connection yep. to Scientology and the and just uh, yeah, it, it it really it really plays on stuff that hadn't even like come out into the media mm-hmm. yet. Like it, it, it becomes more like um, in, interesting, uh, you know, particularly in the in the in like the decade to follow with how how sort of Cruz's arc in the public uh like celebrity consciousness like like played out in in front of the 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 country yeah you don't you don't fully grasp the import of a jumping on couch moment without this movie in the background of it Mm. (laughs) yeah i I, yeah it's incredible so as soon as i think my favorite scene in the movie is over the phone rings and then things get very weird the first 30 minutes in a great way the first 30 minutes of this are domestic drama a good domestic drama but a domestic drama and now things get fucking insane so he he gets a call and he is spirited away because one of his ancient and and implied i think as well members of the elite patients has passed and he has to go pay his respects yes he needs to show his face that's right that's right. So Tom Cruise heads out into the the shiny neon lit night, every shot bedecked with uh, Christmas lights, and comes to un- one of many insane apartments with the world's most elaborate wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, the des- oh the design my god! This, we could do a pod about the design in this movie, and we we don't have all day, but it blows my mind. Yeah, the uh, it's got it's got like old world succession vibes in terms of like let me just put you in this space mm. full of like these symbols of wealth, except it's you know the Rothschilds rather than uh, Fox News. Right. Yeah. No. And and I think there's like a, there's a the last thing I'll say about that before we get back to the plot is it's everyone is like not everyone it's like set in New York, so all the people on the street look like New Yorkers. You know, pretty diverse American. Blah blah blah. Uh, seeming, but then like every other character except for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are basically European, mm-hmm. <laughs> like an incredibly uncanny. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's yeah, really... there's yeah, there's definitely that like old world like aristocracy to it, which mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, it uh like the uh, it it references definitely the you know how this the elite cabal. It's not just an American phenomenon. America is just the latest host for this for this um concept you know it mm-hmm. it was it was definitely in in the past uh you know 
European empires that controlled things. There was similar forces at, at play there. And they'll just, uh, like, I've just, it's it like, you know, Cruz go, go getting called over to this apartment to, <laughs> to be like, he doesn't do any, like, actual doctoring. He just, no. he just, like, is like a, he, he's like a on-call, like, emotional support <laughs> guy. <laughs> for, for, for the best like part of the scene is he is he European looks at the aristocrats. dead yes he looks at the dead yeah. guy and he just puts his hand on his yeah. forehead is my one of the funniest <laughs> gags so in the entire good. movie it's so good. It's like, he just he doesn't even talk he just puts his hand on this the oldest man in the world's head and then has what i still think is like one of the strangest conversations in the movie that i'm still turning over in my head and i want to hear what you guys think about it but he talks to this woman and, and and obviously all the visual motifs are very important and she is yet another attractive sort of brittle blonde woman and mm-hmm. she immediately confesses her love to yeah. him <laughs> Like her father is dead, she's engaged and is moving to Michigan. The strangest thing it's a, it's with her great. lover Oscar. Yeah, it's a great, that was the funniest. I love this movie, and and yeah. then she just her, kisses like, him. Yeah, <laughs> like he's so he's so confused here. Like she's just he doesn't even pull away immediately. He's just like so nonplussed. Yeah. yeah. His face as she kisses him is so good. And if we're going with the, like, subtle commentary about Tyler's sexuality, the complete look of, like, concern as this woman throws herself at him is very good. I I still am kind of, like... I think there's a lot to talk about. Maybe this is the place for it. Maybe it isn't. But, like, I am still kind of fascinated by this scene, by this, like, this woman who seems to be the daughter of this elite who is, like, says she's in love with Tom, and Tom is like, we've never even had a conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's his literal response. It's like, I don't think we've ever talked about anything but your dying father. (laughs) Who was in the room, by the way. The dead body is in the room while this is happening. She... She is trying yeah. to get j- jiggy with it while God. Oscar, her fiance, is on the way and her dad is in dead in the room. I don't understand this scene, but I love it. I think if you want to, if you want to go with yeah. the idea that most of what we see is a dreamscape, it's it's Tom Cruise's imagination, sure. which is obviously like the way dream and reality interplay in these movies, mirrors, shadows, etc. It's all it's all there to be engaged with. But I don't think sure. it's it should be missed that. Nicole Kidman confessed her lust for a man that she never spoke with. And then the next woman that Tom Cruise interact, mm. uh, interacts with confesses her love for him, a man who's never had a real conversation with her. And so I, I think there, you know, mm. that is worth sort of keeping in mind. I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that none of this happened or anything, but uh, right. I think it's an important interplay that like the next woman he interacts with is throwing herself at him in a way, not entirely unlike her wife, uh, his wife, lusted uh, for that naval officer. Yeah, yeah. She just, uh, she didn't. She had uh, such an aversion to moving to Michigan <laughs> and with that like math professor <laughs> guy. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> that she just, yeah, it's 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 great. Like look, Carl, I think it's yeah. like yes, his name is Carl. Like, Carl, who looks, yeah. looks also, I just like love the fact Cruise. Like, like, there's clearly something going on there. The actors also share the same birthday as a thing I know for no reason. Whoa! Oh, I am OG. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I, I think this, it's this, def- yeah. Speaking of. 
Oh, I was just saying, like, speaking of dates, this this movie also opened on the day that, um, um, uh, I think it was, uh, like, uh, JFK Jr. died in the plane crash. Mm. That's so um, weird. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, now now he's risen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah died in heavy quotation like, like, marks, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, that, that, is, yeah. That, is, that is freaking wild. Uh, I love that scene. It, it sort of lives in my brain. It's just kind of a weird thing. I think this is actually the place for it. This movie is filled with, and we'll get into more of them, women and sometimes, and, and one man, very notably, throwing themselves and admiring Tom Cruise's beauty, his luminescence, mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise either being an unable, incapable, just being purely impotent. Like, at no point can he, like, actually do anything about everyone trying to, like, molest him with (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's a great point his his, he desires to be desired and at times it Mm -hmm. seems that he is trying to force himself to desire these these things these people uh the -hmm. situations he finds himself in like he he clearly as we'll see later in the movie seeks out these situations but at the moment when something might actually happen he always pulls back and there there's something to be said there about like uh, the thing that actually feeds this character is the act of being desired. Rather, he is incapable of expressing or acting on any of his own desires. Yeah, and like he he obviously wants to be, he he wants to ascend to the levels of these elites, but he's really he's just an errand boy yeah. to them. Right. Like he's yes. he like he's he's no different to them than to the people throughout the movie that he just like pays exorbitant mm. amounts of money to go out of their way for him. Like open up your costume shop at three in the morning. Mm. Uh, wait <laughs> wait in a taxi outside the creepy mansion yeah. in the in the middle of. Uh, like is it is it supposed to be like uh, like Westchester or like you I know think so. like outside of yeah. yeah somewhere somewhere in New York State outside the city but. Like, his name is literally Bill. Yeah, yeah, like, he's Dr. Bill. And he's, oh, they, and, yeah. And they love to be he's like... Doctor, they, yeah. So many characters are like, you're a Bill? Like, they'd say that to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think... His first line of dialogue is, honey, where's my yes, wallet? Yes, yes, I actually think that's, like, a very helpful little clue for what we're yes. dealing with here. Um, and yeah. we'll see that more. And I also... Shall we talk about money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I also think, like, it's... Like the play with masculinity, like not long after this, he gets this is a good segment. Yeah, after this, going. he's like kind of on the street and he gets uh roughed oh. up by some. Oh some my god, this men. scene! <laughs> I think let's get to oh it. Oh my so god, there's, like, there's a group yeah, of it, sort of like hooligans, yeah, Yale hooligans. <laughs> One of them is like wearing bros. a Yale. street, sh- yeah. yeah, so Yale street, street urchins, <laughs> incredible, yeah. <laughs> They see Tom Cruise and immediately knock him against the car and start calling him homophobic slurs. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they're dropping, they're dropping and hard, it's like, hard it's, slurs it's, left and right at him, uh, insinuating heavily, or not insinuating, they're, you know, mocking him, telling him how much uh, he wants to have sex with them as they, like, threaten his, you know, uh, to beat him up. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's, it's so random because it's like, I he he's literally just like looks like any other New Yorker wearing like a long black right. coat, like winter coat. <laughs> like there isn't anything particularly uh I don't know, like like that would hint at him having a the, the you know like a, a 
uh, attraction to men or whatever yeah. uh, thing that they're trying to make fun of him for. And then they're actually the ones be they they like show him their asses and they're like yo come get this you know you want this and it's like they're, they they seem like the ones that kind of want it themselves yeah. you know it's like it, but it, it's just like random aside but it, it reminds me of that have you seen that like viral Twitter video of the guy outside the the uh, bar in Boston where he's mm. getting accosted by, like, the Boston bros. No. It's just like, obey your mother! <laughs> that, that one? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I'll, 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 I'll try to link it to you, but it's, yeah, it's basically, like, very similar to this. Like, some, like, some, like, uh, like New York brochalist uh, experiencing the Boston townies and them, <laughs> them uh, dropping, dropping hard Fs on him. Like... <laughs> Like we but, do uh, on this podcast. Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Splitcast. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, a couple things worth noting here. One, I think the Yale uh, thing is not insignificant uh, in terms of yes. like them being also a part of this elite that he is denied. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yale also, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how deep you want to go down the cabal rabbit hole, Skull and Bone Society, a lot of connections there. You can yep. draw some stuff out. It also mirrors a moment in the uh, story that this movie is based on. Uh, which I, I forget the mm. actual pronunciation, but it translates to dream story, wherein the main character, yeah. they're, they're, uh, the husband and wife are Jews in Vienna, and there were sort of anti-Semitic right. street gangs that would wander the streets. And so in the book, right. it's an anti-Semitic mm. attack. And here, that is sort of Americanized and, and parlayed through sexuality rather than race. And I, I think there's there's something there worth keeping in mind. Uh, I think in general, the fact that he is both an errand boy and a wasp, uh, this movie is very interested in. Kubrick himself was Jewish, mm-hmm. like he's he's very aware of these these changes and things, and I and I you know and and the the guy he's the errand boy for Ziegler is is very Jewish coded, you know, and I think there's, oh like, absolutely there's, yeah, you know he's he's very much interested in kind of like the wasp errand boy longing to be part of the club. Yeah, yeah, I, it, it is. It will come up again how uh, Ziegler and the Aaron Boyness of of Tom Cruise interact. Uh, but it is it is very present. This this movie has a lot to say about how our professional class serves the whims of the elites and even and destroy the people under them, even as they they are destroyed by the people over them. Okay, so he go. Yeah. So he <laughs> is about to cross the street. He's feeling yeah, upset he's after being called gay. Yep, feeling gay. And all of a sudden, a very attractive, also kind of strawberry blonde prostitute grabs his arm and asks him if he would like to have some fun. And of course, he immediately replies, would I like to have some fun? And she pulls him into her place, which is like a tiny little apartment. Again, very shabby, intentionally so, because it's all about, you know, upper class, middle class, lower class. Mm. And... They proceed to sort of have a conversation. Michael, what happens here? I've been talking a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's 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 kind of a there's a there's a certain manic pixie dream girl energy to the sex worker. She's coded manic very, pixie dream sex yeah, worker. Yeah, yeah. She's coded very <laughs> sweetly. We're gonna use the term prostitute, but just understand that it's because the movie uses the term prostitute. We support sex workers. Yeah. Um, but of they have this conversation where you know. They're sort of hinting at things, and then he says, should we talk about the money? Uh, which, again, always <laughs> yes. how this man interacts with the world. Yeah. Uh, and as we'll see a little later on, the elites 
never have to talk about money. They work in power and control. That's right. But for the professional That's class, right. they buy yeah. everything. That is their access. So they, they buy the things they want. And that is how they make things happen, even as the elites never have to discuss that. Uh, so they talk about money. And then she asks, well, what do you want? And he cannot answer that question. <laughs> and they have this sort it's of so back funny. and forth yeah. where he just cannot express even his desire as he is in this woman's house they both know why they're there and he eventually settles on why don't you surprise me like why don't why don't you do what you think is best all right i think yeah his his initial uh response to that was like what would you write oh yes and she literally just laughed she she literally just laughs at his face he's like look at this guy like look at this slur like she basically like it's, it's a similar moment yeah, it's it's uh it's a real real uh strange interaction and they proceed and they start to kiss and then wouldn't you know it once again the phone rings another recurring motif in this movie and there is a very strange scene where Tom Cruise just walks to the other side of the room puts a finger to his lips and then answers the phone to talk to his wife about when he's coming home that night. <laughs> It might it might be quite late. Yeah. <laughs> we got like God, we're waiting for some other relatives. Oh yeah, yeah. He's pretending like, he's still at the house of his like, patient, and it's just yes. uh, she another woman. Who is he like a sexual. therapist? Like like it's, it's it's just so not believable that he, his services would be needed to just like to to keep closing the eyes of a dead yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, there's another scene later in in the movie where you see him in his office doing doctor things. And as it turns out, it's just putting a stethoscope on a naked woman's chest and then being like, cool. That's so funny. It's... That's so funny when he's just feeling yeah. another woman's tits. And he does at one point move a man's leg. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. he moves it up and the, and, the, and the man groans. So it implies that he's hurting him. Uh, and he's like, he has a, he's a scene with a kid too, I think, where he's like doing the, he's like opening his mouth like say ah oh, yeah. or whatever like yeah and just just th- even having a conversation about this movie is like the impossible task of trying to both acknowledge without fully falling into rabbit holes at every turn but just just a right. taste of what we're dealing with in the terms of the composition of this movie tom cruise is standing against a wall there's a mirror on the wall in the mirror you can see a sliver of his body and above that a poster that sort of looks like a mask which will echo things we see later in this movie unless you think that that is all just being ridiculous that this is just you know how they shot it there is also a book underneath that mirror that says shadows in the mirror uh that you could read and that's just just one shot of this movie that's just just one thing I, I, I mean, I, knowing knowing Kubrick, it's one hundred percent intentional. I mean, the the oh. guy the guy wanted to make sure the guy wanted to make sure the um the the table in Doctor Strangelove, which was shot in black and white, was this particular shade of green. Would not have otherwise. Incredible. <laughs> like everything is meticulous. Every everything is on purpose. Yeah. No, it's one of those movies that like I immediately was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this again. I w- I think I will actually get even more out of it. And I mean. Uh, I know this is a little bit insufferable for our listeners who who are used to us hating things, but like, oh my god, just so much depth, so many things happening. Um, so Tom Cruise exits the prostitute's apartment. Yeah, he he decides but, not to he, not to do anything with her, but he pays her anyway. Another telling motif, and then steps back out yes. into the night. Where what does he bump into? Jazz club. Jazz club. And this references right. a character that That's was right. at the party. A uh, a 
a guy he was in med school with who is now playing piano at the Ziegler's party, another guy who serves the whims of the elite, uh, but a man who stepped out of that professional class and is now in more of like a servant yes. and musician role. But, you know, they had this little conversation at the party where they catch up and he's like, yeah, I don't know why you didn't stick with, you know, being a doctor. And he's like, oh, I've been walking away from things my whole life. Hey, I'm at this jazz club. Swing by if you want. And you get this sort of professional bro out there, like slapping each yes. other on the chest. It's very Top Gun. Yeah. I, the masculinity in this movie, I'm fucking obsessed with. First of all, it, it, because Kubrick obviously knows how bad or Tom Cruise has at it. It never seems natural when Cruise is like, he, at one point, there's a shot of him sitting down and watching a football game and he's not paying attention to it he orders a beer at the jazz club <laughs> when he's broing out this guy like he's always like uncomfortable in his skin acting like a dude yeah yeah he he never yeah i i love I, like when he when he's ordering the drink he doesn't specify what sort of beer he's just like i'd like a beer yeah. <laughs> like, your name is bill <laughs> Uh, this is also as the Christmas oh, motif great, is great. reaching like an apex. Like the jazz club is just so mm. decked out in lights. It is. It is. It, it was the moment where I was like, "Oh, this isn't just a thing that is like happening in terms of like, oh, we want to signal that it's Christmas time or we want these cool lighting." Like it has reached absurd levels within this jazz club. <laughs> yeah, they, this movie cost sixty million to make, and I feel like a million of it was on fucking Christmas lights. Yeah, and the the other fifty eight were recreating yeah. New York in the UK where they shot it. Like they shot it all in London, <laughs> so they made New York yeah, City it, streets it, on soundstage. <laughs> And, and important thing. And it's so, it's a pretty convincing oh, yeah. like like Greenwich Village oh, yeah. environment. Like it's you you would not know that it's not shot in New York. It's incredible. Um, and so here he meets Nick Nightingale, another wasp. And what happens? They have a conversation. <laughs> Uh, so Nick Nick is talking about his life as a gig worker, how he's got a family back in Seattle that he doesn't see because he has to be out here following for work. And then he mentions a very unique gig that he is going to be engaged in later that night, wherein he plays piano blindfolded. Mm. Intriguing. And uh, and Tom Cruise clearly, obviously, uh, interested by the story. He's like, well, what, what's going on? Where is this? And he's like, I actually don't know where it is. They only tell me the location about an hour before. Uh, and then goes on to say, oh, and, you know, one time the blindfold slipped a little bit. And let me tell you, the women here, it was just otherworldly. Um, and so he has this, like, he tells this story about, about this strange thing where he's playing piano blindfolded. And Tom Cruise is very interested in this. And then wouldn't you know it, Nick gets a phone call, answers it, and writes <laughs> down the password on a napkin as Tom Cruise steadies the napkin for him. Fidelio. Fidelio. Uh, in 18th yeah. century... And, and like, it's... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, no Griff, go, go for it. Oh, and I just it, it just shows like how little he knows what he wants because he already he already cut things off with the the um, sex mm -hmm. worker earlier in the in the movie because his wife called, but then he just goes out again and now is going down this other rabbit hole that's even more intricate and involves you know like in, infiltrating this super secret party. It's just like he he has no he has no idea what, like where he is or what he wants or what he's doing at this point. Like it's he's 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 a fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a great point. That like, bro, you were already doing this thing. What are you doing now? Uh, 
<laughs> and so Tom Cruise harasses Nick Nightingale for more information. Nick's sort of like, I really can't. But, you know, hey, even if I were inclined to do so, I couldn't because you would need a mask and a costume. Everyone's got to be in a mask and a costume. Mm. So what does Mr. Dr. Bill do? He goes out to get himself a costume. This is the first of two of the most baffling in some ways, but I also think the most crucial scenes in the entire film. I think if you mm. want to understand the movie, there's two scenes, because they do sort of a night and then a day that mirrors the night journey. Mm-hmm. And I think this part of the journey is really key to unlocking this film. And I mean, there's a million ways to discuss it, and that's one of the re- reasons why it's great. I think it's one of the best studio movies I've ever seen. I can't believe Warner Brothers made this film. Yeah. And anyway... That's wild to think about nowadays. Um, so he goes to this. He goes to this costume place, and this is one of the most. This is where the movie takes yet another turn into the insane, just absolutely insane. Starts out pretty normal. He's just like there's a costume shot with a rainbow at the top, kind of harkening back to an earlier theme. And the models said they wanted to take him to the end of the rainbow, and mm, yeah. he bangs on the door until the world's oldest immigrant man kind of a Eastern European sounding gentleman with bad hair, bad teeth, clearly another step down on the class ladder comes out and is like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I think this, this might be the first time he shows his doctor yeah, card yeah. to try yes, to like prove, prove he belongs and prove he's like legit and, and can bother this guy and is making an honest inquiry. And he's just yeah. the guy is so is he's so, so not impressed. He's like, oh, so, so, so you're a doctor, so yeah. what? Like it's like, okay, you're a doctor, Bill. Okay, now what? <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's so funny. So eventually, he says he's looking for this other guy. This other guy's not there. Who cares? Whatever. And he eventually gets inside and is like, I'll pay you an extra couple hundred dollars plus the rental fee uh, if you let me come in. So. What's, it seems like a normal kind of funny scene at first. They're kind of wandering around. Um, he takes him into the back they, room yeah, of this costume shop that's all decked out in, like, red velvet. It's very, like... Oh I mean, God. the through-the-looking-glass moments in this film are so fast and furious that you can't even mention them all. But it's one of the weirder ones where they're standing in, like, a pretty basic, you know... Uh, yes. Kind of run-down costume place. Then all of a sudden, he opens a back door and takes him into this extremely like lush uh, costuming with like Venetian costumes. Yeah, there's a bow to mask, and so he picks out a black cloak and hood and a bow to mask. And I think this is important. I actually think like even in the context of the plot, like it's not just dreamlike because because what happens next, I think helps explain why this might be an elaborate hidden space. Mm. Because things go from like, oh, okay, this guy kind of wants to fuck around. This guy kind of feels gay. This guy, you know, he's he's struggling with feelings of inadequacy. Yeah, he, he's been fantasizing uh, or having like these dreams of his wife having sex with that naval officer in black and white ever yes. since she told him this story. So like every interstitial moment, that's where his mind goes. He's feeling extremely cucked yes. right now. And then this is where it becomes a movie about a cabal Mm -hmm. because a light pops on and all of a sudden you see two, and I think the movie is intentional about this, two Asian men and an underage girl that appears to be the white, it appears to be the daughter of this Eastern European man in her underwear and is clearly 13 or 14. And the two Asian men are half dressed in drag. It's obviously the creation of some kind of disturbing child pornography, most likely. And it is very plain what's happening. 
And the dad, at this point, freaks out, lock, like pulls the daughter out, locks the two guys in, and says he's going to call the police. While the daughter clings to Tom Cruise and whispers in his ear. Oh my god, like just... Her, the 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 way she like latches onto him and is just mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. aggressively flirty with it's just cr- so so it's... creepy um and this this whole thing just felt it, it it almost felt like a fucking like red like a like a scene from like a Tarantino movie or something yes. just like a, a little like 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 a very random but very purposeful little side side like um like episodic little mm-hmm. like mise-en-scene that um that that, that is just like a, a sort of like fleshing out this this wacky world that we that we find ourselves in in this movie like it, and it's I, yeah. yeah it's just so it's so out of nowhere it's so weird um, i think it's very think it's, very I, very disturbing i think it's so horrifying and i think it's intended to be yeah. because and i think one of the most important elements of this is that Tom Cruise definitely fancies himself a good man. He definitely fancies himself someone who would help someone out. He keeps flashing that that, that doctor ID like a badge. <laughs> and, and he pretends to care yeah. about, you know, as we find out later, about other, other victims. But here's the thing. Plainly, plainly something illegal is occurring. Something awful. Like, child pornography is happening at, at best. And he gets his costume and walks away. That's it. That's how the scene ends. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no moment where he takes responsibility. I mean, uh, and I think it's very telling that his his path, the entrance to where he is going, is paved yep. with sex crimes that he. Oh, he just should have done it. He should have done a citizen's arrest with his 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 doctor badge. He should have pulled out some of that <laughs> Mission Impossible skills. We <laughs> like, all know what you are, Tom yeah. Cruise. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that he yeah. should have stayed, called the cops himself. He has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. He could have called the cops himself and stayed. And and, and it's obviously sort of the professional in this context. Like, you know, like uh, I think it's okay to argue as a doctor that he had some kind of responsibility here, as, as any person would. But especially in his position, I, I think it's very plain that, like, even though this girl, it's weird that she's flirting with him, is in danger. Uh, and so what does Tom Cruise do? He takes his cloak and he takes a car out of New York City. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mirroring his earlier sort of abdication of duty to the woman in the bathroom in the party scene where all he does is basically Correct. snap his fingers, make sure her eyes are open and then leave. Yep. But yeah. And, and I think that's that's just undeniable and it will come back because everything in this movie you know it's a mirror it's it a, is literally 71 minutes to the climactic scene we're about to get to and then 70 20 minutes of this climactic scene and then 71 minutes from the time he leaves to the end of the movie it is flawless it is incredibly structured as a, as a mirror of itself so perfect okay so he takes a car outside new york he goes somewhere to upstate westchester something like that and comes to the rothschild i mean somerton mansion it is literally a property in the uk that was built (laughs) by the rothschild like that's where they shot it like uh yeah no no quits no 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 not at all uh but yeah he takes a taxi out which is hilarious (laughs) 
<laughs> and then he goes through. What a low rent MF. Oh, uh, this incredibly. You're out of your element, yeah. Bill. Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> the, you know, they they pull up to this creepy mansion. Uh, you know, they're obviously there's a gate. There's two uh, men staring at them as they like pull up to this gate. And then Tom Cruise does the classic like keep the meter running, and there's some money in it for you to this like extremely New Yorker cabbie. And he like literally <laughs> takes out. He's like, you know, I give you an extra fifty to get me here. And he takes out a hundred. He rips it in half. And he says, stick around, I'll give you the other half. Which is just like, says so That's much like not about how, how Dr. Bill right? navigates like, the world. Yes. And, uh, that's like not how dollar bills work. Like, what are you gonna like tape it back together? Like, I think I think if you have more, I think if you have more than half of a bill, it, it'll you can still have it pass. Uh-huh. But if you rip it neatly in half, he's just like you're gonna have to like tape the thing back. It's just it's 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 just this little moment of like pet. It's 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 like a little moment of like petty like uh, economic coercive sadism. Oh yeah, towards absolutely. this guy. I, I, right. It's like it's it's is yeah. He's always just p- pulling pulling bills out of his, his his wallet and thinks that they can they can solve all his problems just in the moment. There's endless supply of hundreds. Of oh them. yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 thinks the money you can carry around with you counts or matters in this world. That's what's so funny about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it also speaks yeah. to how in over his head he is that he thinks he can leave a cab running outside of this place and that'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's just like uh, limos parked like like fender to fender up front like it's it's obvious how everyone else is arriving to this thing there's no other cabs idling outside yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. oh my god so it's it's so funny and he's so clueless so michael why don't you take us through the infamous sequence at the mansion yes yes the one thing i knew about this movie when it when it came out is what happens in this scene but i I was still unprepared for just how much happens here so he's driven up to the main house uh past like limos and and you know just absurdly expensive cars that are all parked outside he gives the password he's still not wearing his mask or his cloak which i found interesting like if i'm showing up to a mask party (laughs) you best believe no one is going to see my face before i arrive at the creepy mask party i don't want that kind of accountability for anything that happens in there uh but nevertheless he is he also by the way keeps using his legal name insane. he goes into the mansion and is like oh i'm bill harford yeah. i'm like oh my god dude <laughs> it's, it's oh. so bizarre just so in over his head he walks past a series like a number of mass servants who usher him through door after door after door until he finally enters uh how to even describe this? A room full of masked men and women in cloaks uh, with a number of people in the center of the room performing a ritual. Yes. It's 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 some real, like, Bohemian Grove, like, elite theater kid yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so, like, there's, like, this, like, red-robed priest guy with one of those, like, swinging incense yeah, things. Yeah, explicitly And they're just, like, this circle of... And, and yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then a bunch of cloaked and masked women sort of surrounding him in a circle as he like wanders around with his incense and people stare on. Tom Cruise, now masked, is like taking this all in. Uh, and we see a couple up in the balcony stare down at Tom Cruise and seem to clock him as, as somehow different yep. or not belonging uh, to this. But they don't mm. say or do anything, they simply yeah. nod. Uh, the women disrobe. 
so they stand yes. up and disrobe, and then the red hooded figure goes from person to person with his staff and smashes his staff against the ground, and the women depart and take somebody from the crowd and enter into another part of the house. And that is your introduction to the cabal. It's- yeah, I I, th- I think it's implied that the the guy who, in, the, in the mask, the couple that clocks him, is uh, Ziegler yes, and think, his wife. I think so. we that will discover the, that later. Yeah. I think that's pretty heavily insinuated. Yeah. There. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to mention something about this. There's something important. I think that, like I think people talk about Kubrick is cold, and he is cold, but they also forget that Kubrick was fucking hilarious because there's a moment during this where the ritual is stunningly filmed. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful sequences I've seen. Like, rich reds, you know, that, that Griff was talking about, and, like, the sensor smoke, and, like, even the bodies, like, in this very sort of, like, um, sort of, like, Botticelli-ish way. Like, it's just, there's a lot of beauty. But then the camera at one point kind of pulls out the sort of, I think, a medium, medium long shot. And you see our guy, Nick Nightingale, just jamming on the keys, blindfolded, surrounded by a sound system. And it's funny, because it completely punctures. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I... (laughs) I noticed that this time for the first time I've, I've watched this movie at least like four or five times, but just the, 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 the tackiness of yes. the sound system setup. It was like, it, it was like the fucking um, <laughs> band set up at my Halloween party in my yes. apartment's backyard. It was just like a bunch of like, yeah, like, like synthesizers and like set and like, uh, and speakers just sort of like scattered around his, his little area. And he's, he's jamming away like a fucking, uh, he's, like he like he's phantom of the opera or something and then there's just the the like in in the juxtaposition to like this like the the haunting music right. and the the way the, the 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 ritual was shot before it's yeah mm-hmm. it's it's definitely like it's a it's a it's definitely like a piece of like visual comedy mm-hmm. there yeah, it, it's not only a comedy, and it is. It's it's a scream. And I think this movie is really funny. But beyond that, it's like it's an intentional little puncture. It's just an intentional little like little sort of like pin in the balloon, letting the air out a little bit of these of these people. Uh, Michael, what happens from here? Uh, Tom Cruise watches lots of people fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, eventually, okay, Tom first, Cruise is first... escorted by one of these women out yes. of. The, uh, the main room and sort of taken through a series mm-hmm. of rooms uh, and hallways. But as he is being guided by this woman, she leans in and tells him that he needs to leave and that he is in great danger. Yes. Uh, yes. And he is sort of nonplussed by this, uh, possibly thinks it's part of the game. And she is very clearly, uh-huh. as clearly as she can, being like, you need to go before they catch you. It's amazing they haven't done it already. You're in danger. Yeah. And by the way, and, and maybe it's it's not clear at this point, but it's heavily implied. Um, she has very she looks somewhat familiar. You know, her hair. Yeah, well, she seems to know too. who he is in a way that wouldn't yes. necessarily make sense with him being a masked and robed figure. Uh, but she yes. immediately clocks him, seems to know who he is on a personal level and tells him, like, you yes. need to get out of here. Yep. You need to leave, and, and yeah. we clock her, too. And what does Tom Cruise do? He does not get out of there. He watches some more people have sex. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, these these aren't, like, like, yeah, there's, like, people having sex and other people are watching and they're all in masks. But it's it's all very sterile and clinical, and it's not, like this sort of like no holds barred orgy like there is that like you know like a bunch of like naked women just sort of like kissing each other's bodies like there's no there's nothing really like 
really really that like crazy going on there's and then when they walk through they walk back through the the, the sort of ballroom where there's people dancing yeah. there's like two men just like dancing and one of them is naked mm-hmm. and it's like ooh, yeah, this is so right. out there this that's is right <laughs> like, I think... uh, yeah. yeah yeah there was a there was a there's two two women dancing too yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it has this very like stage and choreograph feel to it there are more people watching uh the fucking than are actually engaged in it and so everyone who is doing having sex is performing it is very obviously a, a performance yeah. of that sexuality in front of other people uh it is it is very uncanny and one of the funniest little tidbits i read as i was reading about this movie is that kubrick and his team spent a lot of time watching softcore pornography, including da- specifically name-checking David Duchovny's Red Shoe Diaries, so that they could more fully understand what they could get away with in this scene, uh, which then led to a controversy because <laughs> it ended up getting censored in the theatrical cut. Uh, and the music is very yeah. disconcerting. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 playing. I forget what sort of like Russian liturgical thing that they reversed and then made music for. And I guess he told the composer like, just make me some sex music. And like this is what they came up with. And it's it's very disconcerting. Uh, it, it's not a horny movie, despite being all about. Fun. Oh my yeah, it's yeah. Like the the music while he's wandering around is definitely something that would be like playing in the background of when you're like. Uh, descending uh, the 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 elevator in the the Epstein Temple into yeah, the 100%. into the interior bowels of the island. Yeah, the 2021 um, reboot of this is definitely yeah, on little it's like James. it's yeah, it's it's Cabal elevator music. <laughs> God damn, that's perfect. Oh, hello. Yeah, so he is. Yeah, he is warned once again. Uh, this this lady returns to him and and tells him like, "Hey, you really need to get out of here." And he he is trying to unmask her. He is trying to like see her face. He's still playing a game. He thinks this is kind of sexy and fun. Uh, at this point, I think we may have lost Griff. Uh, I think um, I lost you guys. No, Griff. Well, I'll tell you what. There he is. I. I'm back. And he's back. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm back, I lost baby. you guys for a sec. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. No, I think uh, last I was, I, I just uh, um, said it was like cabal elevator music. Um, in the, yeah. yeah, that was perfect. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so after after Cruz spends some time uh, watching some people have sex, he is uh, the the same lady that warned him finds him again, draws him into a hallway, and is like, "Seriously, you need to get out of here. This is dangerous. This could this could threaten your life and mine." And Tom Cruise is still not taking this seriously. He's like trying to unmask her. He's like, "Hey, who are you? What's your deal? What's your sign?" Like he is not taking this seriously at all. And then one of the servants comes up and asks if he is the person with the taxi cab waiting outside saying that the taxi cab driver needs to speak with him urgently and sort of leading him away from this woman uh, to 
one of the most disconcerting moments in this extremely disconcerting movie where he is led down a series of hallways you know obviously he has no sense of the geography and led back into the main room where a circle of people is waiting and the red hooded gentleman is sitting in the center on a throne of two dueling snakes uh telling him to step into the middle of this circle and uh to sum it up he has been found out he has asked the password and he recites it. He has asked the second password and he says he must have forgotten it. And that'll come up later. Uh, but it, it's so funny because it's so unconvincing. In that moment, if I'm standing there, you got you to go with the there is oh, no absolutely. second password. Oh, absolutely. If you don't know it, like, like you don't, you don't is... admit that. Like, come on. Like... <laughs> yeah, you, you say, fuck you, uh, there's no such thing every time. Uh, and so having been found out and exposed, he is ordered to take off his mask, which he does, a very telling part of this movie that is in part about an anonymity. Uh, he reveals himself to this group of people that has encircled him, and then he is told to strip. And he yes. gets extremely uncomfortable with this in interesting ways that one of course it's awkward to be ordered to take off your clothes in front of a room full of very threatening masked Venetian figures uh, but also I think mirrors some of his own hangups about sexuality being hinted at here uh, and he sort of you know demurs and he's like hey guys I'm in over my head I'm really sorry uh, and they're, they're making it very clear to him that he does not have a choice in this matter yes. when the woman who warned him calls out from the balcony and offers herself uh, to redeem him. Very interesting yes. wording there. That She offers herself, and this sends a series of gas through the crowd. Yes. The implication is that that redemption process will be extremely unpleasant for her. And the red-hooded figure even says, do you understand what you were committing to in doing like, this? Like, is it? And she says she does, at which point Tom Cruise is ordered out of the building without being but not before being warned that if he ever speaks about anything that he saw here it will not go well for like him. i i had forgot before i rewatched this i had forgotten that they had asked him to um to to strip his clothes off and it's just like and considering what ends up happening to the to the to the woman and even even the excuse that ziggler gives for what happened to her oh like she oh she just got her she got her brains fucked out like always like was was were they gonna like gang rape Tom Cruise here? Like, what was like once he once his clothes are off? What the hell was gonna happen to him? Like, I think it's very clearly implied through that. Yeah, that because they say they will pull off his clothes. Yeah, would you like us to remove he them? Will be like he... ourselves or what, whatever. Yeah, right. And that the ri that that the elites are fully clothed. Yeah. And Tom mm -hmm. Cruise is not one of the elites, and so he must be naked like the women that are being yes. treated as clearly yeah. as property. Yes, yes. He is he is being placed in the position of these other servant slaves, however, you know, I think both are yes. equally applicable to this situation. But he like, is being ritually castrated. Yeah, ritually castrated. Yeah. yeah, he is he is being he is having his class enforced. And I think it yes. is fair to assume that have, once his class was fully exposed as what it is, he would be treated not unlike the other people of that class are treated. Yeah, because he, he, he tried to um, ascend to a class that he's not a part of, so he is now being shamed mm -hmm. and put back in his place uh, with, with force. Um, yeah. Yes. yes. With, with something he can't spend his way out of. <laughs> yeah. There's no, he can't pull out some dollar bills. He, he can't, he can't bribe the cabal. Right. <laughs> he can't, he can't flash the doctor yeah. card in here. It's not going to have the same effect. I think this might be a good place since this movie has gone from a tense drama between two sexy people 
into a movie where Tom Cruise might be gang raped. Um, what do you guys think about this movie's thoughts on cabals? Now, may is I don't know if this is the place for it, but it's a good place to start it. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, Griff, I hear like you I was Kubrick died before this was even released. Like, did did he know too much? Like, it like it, it's obviously there's there's total uh, eye eye emojis going on there, um, but. <laughs> it's just like the thing that strikes me about it is how just sterile the whole thing is and how even like in the mm. in the depths of the cabal's de- depravity it's just like a bunch of people in mass watching like a couple people have sex like it it isn't even like yeah. it isn't even right. that twisted and compared to what actually goes on and there 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 isn't even like the sort of underage angle except for the both the right. the um, um, Eastern European costume shop owner, and then the the uh, yeah. whether or not he he lost they they lose their kid to the cabal at the end. There isn't that yeah. angle explored as much, mm-hmm. and it's almost like was that um, the the limit of what they could actually show in a in a Hollywood in a in a mass market um, Hollywood production? Right. You know that's that's being that's opening in in every movie theater in the country. So it's like, is that mm-hmm. it, 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 there's a there's a certain like restraint there where they don't go all the way, um, and mm-hmm. obviously like the, the there there wasn't the the the, the public wasn't as uh, red pilled about the nature of cabals as they are <laughs> now. Um, with Jeffrey Epstein was still an upstanding member of high society. Um, and you were considered a conspiracy theorist if you're talking about like flight logs and right. <laughs> all that stuff. But yeah, I, w- I just was I, I, I've always like, you know, thought about just how 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 sterile these supposed um, like de- de- debaucherous rituals that the that the elites are doing. And I think it like one of the. I've seen this recurring criticism and I agree with it of like the elites nowadays. It's like, they're very boring. Like at least like elite, at least mm-hmm. like the, like the Gilded age, like um, Robert Barons would, mm-hmm. would lead these ridiculous lifestyles and have, um, you know, have all this, all these like twisted things going on. But at least most of the, most of the rich people now like seem to be sort of just living very like sterile minimalist lives and not actually exploiting their, wealth and class position to the to the nth degree like they used to but i i think there's an implied there's a sort of um there there's a thing that's almost even more twisted about that where there's this there's this simultaneous like um like restraint going on despite that they're you know continue to accumulate all of the the resources at a higher and higher rate i don't know i'm just i'm just spitballing here but um yeah, I think yeah. I think restraint is a good thing to bring up. You see it mirrored in the language in, in this. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone is speaking very civilly throughout this entire yeah. process. Like yeah. like Tom Cruise, despite the fact that he clearly has no agency at this point, is being asked to follow the servants into his potential doom. That even right. even this red hooded figure is speaking in sort of aristocratic European niceties as he is ordering this man to uh, first unveil himself and then strip down. And and even when they imply the horrible things that are going to happen to this woman as she steps in to pay, uh, you know, Tom Cruise's sacrifice sacrificial price. Uh, to keep him alive like even that you never 
say what is going to happen. It is just it is just implications yep. on implications. And then you see that mirrored in the sex. Like no one's having no. fun in the sex <laughs> yeah. scenes. Like like no, it, no at one. no point does this seem like a good time being had by anyone. And yet here we are in the middle of this cabal and this debauchery and, and we'll we'll make even more clear who these people are as you go throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, but the power and control seems much more present than any sort of like actual enjoyment of the horrors they're portraying. Yeah, they're they're just like going through the motions. Like from from everything from the, yeah. the ritual to the actual sex that's being performed to the, the the watching of it to um exposing exposing tom cruise while still maintaining this this sort of air of civility about them like it's the the the, yeah. the only time when you really get like a, a commanding f- forceful um request is when they're like you know uh, reiterating that he needs to remove his clothes or they will be removed for him but it's still said in this very yeah. in this like yeah, they're they're using the passive voice there, like or they they you know, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. it's not like we're gonna we're gonna tear off your clothes and and treat you like a sex slave. It's like it's all it's it, it's all like the implication. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's like the Dennis officer Reynolds. involved shooting of sex <laughs> yeah. crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the 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 SUV that ran over the 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 uh, Christmas parade. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. It is. I don't know if I. I. I, I want to. Th- well, we will continue to talk about cabals because the movie increasingly becomes about that. I think. I want to believe, right? I. I don't know if uh, Kubrick. I mean, Kubrick knew what he was doing. Let's be obvious. Like Kubrick is talking about how power and class and how the world works, especially as a uh, British Jew who who moved his way through Hollywood. But I. I'm curious to know how literal he intended it to be. I. I want to believe that um, he. You know that uh, he knew that he knew what he he was he was trying to send a message out and and they got him but it it, it still exists. Okay, so after his long harrowing night, Tom Cruise <laughs> makes it home. <laughs> One of the most bizarre things to see him just walk into this apartment after everything he's been through. Yeah, it is. It's it it's so weird, and he. Like a complete baby. I think Tom Cruise being baby is a very funny theme in this movie. <laughs> oh, this this entire movie just loves stripping Tom Cruise of every ounce of like virility, sexuality, masculinity, Hollywood movie starness at every turn. Just, it's incredible that he signed on for it, honestly. Just any any shred of his dignity days, is he, just gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a great artist in this movie. There's no other way to view it. Like, he was the most powerful star in Hollywood in 1999. And he was like, you know what? I want to spend a year making this. I I really respect it. Mm -hmm. He kept pushing back Mission Impossible 2. Like, the entire... Like, Mission Impossible 2 was waiting. It was all ready for him to film. And he just kept being like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. I'm gonna stay here He's with this so crazy cool. man making making a sad movie about awful things. <laughs> making a movie about how my marriage is fake. Um, True. Anyway, so I mean, it's 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 beautiful. Uh, Tom Cruise is a great artist when he wants to be. So he comes home and as baby, he hides his mask and cloak just in a drawer somewhere. A man who's home three <laughs> hours a day thinks he can hide something effectively from his wife who lives there full time beautiful you love to see it so good yeah he goes into the room and his wife is laughing in a dream and he wakes her up and 
Now comes our second incredibly haunting and chilling monologue from Nicole Kidman. Yeah, you're going to have to walk through this one, Zach. I don't, I'm not even sure I can do it. Oh, God. Um, I mean, it's incredibly important. Yes. But so she says she was is really upset. You know, she clings to Tom. She's so sad. She's and he's like, what, 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 what was happening? It's like oh, it was a bad dream. She's like, what? He really pushes. This is mm-hmm. one of the only times in the movie he actually shows agency and is pressing. And so he pushes on her. He's like, what dream? What, what happened? And so she talks about this. Um, this whole this whole episode is a trigger warning. A very upsetting dream that basically mirrors what just happened at yeah. the cabal. Uh, and that's obviously intentional. Wherein she, they were in a city that had been hollowed out and is empty, which is again perfect given that they shot this on sound stages to look like New York. And in this city, they were naked and they had no clothes. And Tom went to go look for clothes, and she was left alone. And she was then she was in a garden, and the naval officer showed up and began laughing at her in her nakedness. She doesn't want to keep going. Tom keeps pressing. And he forces her to continue. And so she keeps going. And she says that, like, they are having sex. And then all around them, people are, have appeared and they're all having sex. And then she is having sex with numerous partners again and again, more than she can count. And everyone around them is fucking. And she misses, I think she says she misses, she misses Tom. And she is laughing. And no, no, she doesn't say that. She says she is pities Tom. And she wants to laugh at him, and she does because she knows he's watching, and she begins laughing at him, and that's when he came and woke her up. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she was the like just giggling in her sleep from this rape dream is very—it's very, yes. very disconcerting. Yeah, it. I don't have a ton to say about this scene. It's so unsettling. Uh, as she sort of mm-hmm. like clings to Tom and tells him this story. And I think one of the, uh, you know, in as much as this is a movie about marriage, which I think it is it, yes. it, meaningfully yeah. about marriage it, and, and stripping away sort of the, the lies that lie at the core of, you know, the modern American marriage. Uh, there is this uh, element that it is exploring is like, is there actually a difference between participating in the reality of infidelity or in a dream world, like like to to think of these things, yeah. the difference between thought and action is it is it really that meaningful? And that's something that we'll see echoed in the ending as well. But it is they are having the same night once again as they were both tempted in the the previous night at Ziegler's party. They have now both uh, engaged in some way in this act uh, that is incredibly harmful to the other person. And, and and there is there's something being drawn on there as well as it just being like I don't think I've ever seen like like I remember like Nicole Kidman in like Dogville another movie that plays in like really yeah. intense sexuality and like this is the only that's the only other thing I can have that like connects to like this incredible feeling of like oh I am so uncomfortable in this moment yeah and and, and yeah. but yeah. and she's very forthcoming with all of yeah. these lurid details to him and, and he, of course he doesn't yeah. do, you know um c- contrasting with how he portrays himself in the in the um b- uh bedroom uh pot fight scene mm. where he's he's like you know of, of course of course i would i would never uh i would i would you know never think about being with another woman you gotta you know trust me i'm your wife blah blah, blah. like he doesn't actually admit any of these 
all of these nocturnal escapades he has until basically like he's coerced by the the cabal breaking into his house and put putting the mask on his pillow like it's yeah yeah, yeah. until he's actually threatened by uh by the by the the implications of his um you know, you know his his transgressions that he he's 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 yeah. not telling her shit here and once again you see it echoed yeah. in the language she's the only one using sexually explicit language she's saying fucking he never does like mm-hmm. he's with a prostitute yeah. negotiating sex acts and <laughs> yeah. he never brings up the word sex and here she is and she's the one talking she is nude repeatedly throughout this film he never is the closest you see is him in his underwear uh but like yeah. she is being open and honest about like these very dark things and he never is until as you said there comes a breaking point later in this film i think yeah they're perfectly i mean it's such a beautiful perfect film but like they're they're tail in contrasts she is this like sexual virile person right with desires and a full compliment and he is not and yet he doesn't think she is that Mm -hmm. you know and she is always sort of like more open about that more honest and i think you guys are right that like you know that contrast is so is so fitting. Um, it's an incredible scene. Nicole Kidman probably should have. This should have been her Oscar, not uh, whatever the 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 Virginia Woolf movie was. Um, and I I thought it was horrifying in, in the best possible way. It was in the the sort of pale blue wintry light. Yeah. It's... So. And so now we begin the back half of this movie, which is in many ways a mirror of the first, mirrors and shadows coming in throughout this film, Mm -hmm. uh, where he returns to, I think, basically every location that he went to in his journey through the night. And it is doing some, like, research, some reconnaissance, trying to figure out uh, what happened to his piano-playing buddy and then the woman that uh, saved his life. But just mostly, like repeating uh this recursive thing of going back through and and you begin to uncover some extremely dark details uh so he starts by going to the piano bar uh which is kind of an interesting choice uh and it is of course closed so he wanders across to uh the the diner next door and interrogates the worker there about uh you know whether she knows nick knows his location knows what's up she uh she sort of insinuates that they had some relationship at some point but is hesitant Mm -hmm. to give uh dr bill the information at which point dr bill pulls out his doctor card and and insinuates that he has health information that he desperately needs to communicate uh and so that sort of sends him on a journey (laughs) to figure out what happened to nick nightingale uh which takes us to a hotel Oh, <laughs> where Alan Cumming, playing a very obviously yeah. gay man, uh, falls in love with Tom Cruise on site, <laughs> and Tom Cruise has has Just no I- has no idea what's going on. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so. I mean, the movie cucks Tom Cruise to a point where it basically is like Tom Cruise can't even be gay, y'all. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's um. So he comes. It it is a in. fascinating role, uh, and and sort of the only it's it also an interesting mirror to the the hooligans. Now sexuality is being brought yes. to play once again, but from desire rather than uh, uh, you know mm. the sort of vicious hate speech of before. Uh, but what does he learn in this hotel as he as he right speaks slash so, incidentally seduces Alan Cumming? 
So Alan Cumming is like leaning forward trying to paw at Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise is just asking about Nick Nightingale. And he's like, you know, what happened? Oh, he checked out. And so Nick Nightingale checked out at five in the morning. And so Tom Cruise is like, hey, that's kind of early. And the guy's like, oh, is it early? And Liza's like cooing at him. (laughs) Then Tom uh, is like, was there anything weird about it? And and, and, And Alan Cumming is like, I don't know. Like, if I should get into that. And Tom's like, it's okay, man. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's he funny. Every sh- single shows time, the it's card again. Uh, just it's so good. Fucking card again. It's so good. It's. I mean, the, the movie is hilarious. And so then Alan Cummings says, "Well, about 4:30, Nick Nightingale was brought by two large men in nice suits, but big guys, guys you wouldn't want to mess with. And there was a bruise on Nick Nightingale's face. And we saw his face last night. It was not bruised when he was in the um, fucking... Uh, when he was busy phantoming. Yeah. yeah he's busy. <laughs> he really is phantoming. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. And so this is, this is... And then, so they checked him out, they packed his bags, and they pulled him into a car outside. That's the last he saw of him yeah one of the men stays downstairs and takes care of his tab and the other goes upstairs to uh ostensibly help him pack and uh and then he yes. is whisked away by these men in a car yeah he's he's never being seen from again very <laughs> yeah, oh no heard from yeah oh no uh, this is this is some definitely Clinton killish shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick Nightingale didn't kill himself. Love it. Uh, Michael, did they go to the costume shop next? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I I think so. I think he sort of wanders out with his bag and heads to the costume shop. So I think this is the movie where I kind of have to think Grift might be right. I kind of think this movie might actually be about eating babies and pedophiles. Like I'm not. I think it might not be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I think this is where the movie gets extremely fucking real. Yeah. Right? Like, it goes from kind of an adult fantasy with some rich people maybe being rough with some sex workers to a whole other even thing than that. So, Tom Cruise comes back to the costume shop where he, basi- where he basically was leaving the scene of child pornography. He shows up. He turns the costume in. He's lost the mask. He go, you know, because again, Tom Cruise's baby. And <laughs> he's just like, oh, I guess I lost it. Like a complete dolt. Like he's just a, like, I love what a dolt. He constantly is just a dipshit. Yeah. So Tom Cruise, it's so funny how incompetent he is. Um, he's never doctoring, right? Uh, yeah. So anyway. He, he, he's he just in, like, he's, he, he's rescheduling his patient's appointments on the fly so 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 he can so he can do like the like the um podcast uh like cabal investigation like now now (laughs) nowadays he would like have be be like a like a gumshoe epstein podcast that he starts because tom cruise going through and on all right now that would that i would literally kill for that episode (laughs) (laughs) anyway so what happens to me, I think, is the, the, the key to this movie, and, and I think one of the reasons why it's the most haunting, maybe one of the most haunting films I've ever seen. He comes in, he's talking to this Eastern European man, he has baby, he left the mask behind, he pays absurd hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, and the guy's like, great. And then, two things happen in quick succession. 
The two Asian men that we saw earlier before are now dressed back out of drag in normal clothes, and they basically just, like, leave while basically doing the, like, worker, see you later uh, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, oh, boy, you know, it was a long night of work. You know what I'm saying? They're, like, super They're, they're dressed in suits. Obvious that they like they're, uh, yeah, they're yeah. in nice yes. suits. Yeah. I think, I think the, the elite uh, element of that is, is in keeping with what's happening here. And then uh, the sort of 13, 14 year old girl comes back in the same underwear, sidles up to it, it's not it, it's not even clear if it's her dad, honestly, but like sidles up to the Eastern European man and Tom Cruise is like, hey, man, what the fuck? You were supposed to call the cops. And the guy goes, eh, we've terms changed, basically. Yeah, we came to I another can't remember the exact language. He is. Yeah, we came to another arrangement, puts his arm around her and says, hey. If you need anything, anything at all, the camera goes in yeah. on this, like, scantily clad child. Yeah, Lily Sobieski, um, just looking so young. It, it, this is this is the upsetting. most... I've, I found that, that, that just line of dialogue with the obvious implications as the most sinister moment of the whole thing. Like, we, we, we had these whole it is. cabal, um, uh, like, 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 sex rituals and whatnot, but just this one little moment in the shop is more disturbing than, than any of that, I, oh, in it, my it's opinion. it's so yes. horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, again, like I said, I, I and, and then, you know, and says, like, anything including more than costumes with a camera and hand on the daughter. Like, he's just, he's saying, you would you like my 13-year-old daughter or girl that he has procured in some other way? And I think this is, I, I sort of want to take a second. I think this is the key to understanding this movie, and I think this is maybe why Grift is right. It becomes a movie not just about people having a weird party and becomes a movie about the complete commodification of everything and and including and especially evil yeah well because like you know like the the elites having a party with with prostitutes that are like of age like yeah it's weird but there's like it's like and yeah i guess like you know sex work is technically illegal but there's nothing like there's 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 nothing like um sort sort of world shattering about that like oh yeah rich people paying yeah. people to have right. sex with them like uh, like of age people so what yeah they have these weird like theatrics to right. it it's but yeah they're just they're just weird like like um like th- like theater kids like basically yeah, it's just yeah. weird it's just gross yeah, yeah. it's but it, but it but it doesn't have the you know the sort of um like child sex ring thing that we always think of now with the anything related to these sort of elite cabals yes. um mm-hmm. but these these little I, I, I the, think... like the the interactions yes. with the shopkeeper and, and his daughter it really brings it into that realm and it's not even necess- it's not even necessarily connected to the cabal that he 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 stumbles upon at the party, but it's just mm-hmm. it's just sort of like this whole milieu that's it's now implied to be a, like a part of and opening up those possibilities for the for the viewer. And I I, I think it, I think that's that's great. Go ahead, Michael. I think the class elements of this factor into that. As far as this shopkeeper's world is concerned. Uh, Dr. Bill is the elite. Yeah. He's the person above him. He is. The, and so we are seeing a mirror of what is happening where Dr. Bill is, is a servant of the true elites. But now in this moment, he is being put in the position of being elite. And what does that mean in this case? It means child sex crimes. Like he is now in that moment playing the role of the elite to the shopkeeper. And, and we are seeing an echo uh, of what it means the way Dr. Bill interacts with those under him, that commodification, those handing out the hundreds, like what the actual implications are of that. 
like yeah. mirrored in this moment. Right. And and like because all he would have to do. Oh, and, and, and just and also the fact that the two businessmen were Asian because it's it's even though everyone's masked, yes. it's pretty much implied that everybody at the cabal party was white. They're 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 all white, yeah. either American or European or whatever. They're they're all they're all white, um, and these are just. I mean, in in the fact that the the business the the Asian businessmen then have suits after they're they're sort of coming out. It's implied right. that they they have they have they have money, but they're not. But they're probably of a similar class position to Tom Cruise's character. So one hundred percent. So they they are the sort of they are the business class. Yeah, yeah. So so they're being so they're they're. Um, like uh they are acting on what is being offered to um to to tom cruise because of uh, because of he's demonstrated his ability to just pull hundreds out of his wallet at will to to uh, to open up spaces that are technically closed to the public Mm -hmm. that's why and that's when there's so many things going on with that it's like he this place is this is a tiny grimier version of the Rothschild estate, right? Like it is that party is the same kind of thing, except you know, and and I think they are tools to both understand each other, yeah. right? Like I think we we're supposed to take the metaphor of the implied, you know, pedophilia, not implied pedophilia, the pedophilia here, and then take put it over the rich people. And we were also supposed to take the lesson from the rich people that like even the sort of middle upper upper middle classes, what they they do the same thing. Right. Yeah. This is the same. Like he, Tom, could pull the hundreds out of his wallet that he has given to the cab drivers and and the and the the sort of the sex worker, and he could buy that child right there. And I I think that is the entire that's the key to understanding what this movie is truly about. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it's very important. I think uh, similarly, Griff, as you were talking about how like hey, at the cabal, like, there's a version of this that is just consensual sex work, and that's not really that shocking. But I also think it's important mm-hmm. that we introduce a sex worker having an overdose, being brought into this party, being yeah. used, abused, and and almost dying in that moment. That that is also sort of pointing that, like, hey, the implications of this cabal are a lot darker than just what you see in front of you as a as a 15-minute right. attendee. Yeah. And that, like, right. and the and the explanations that when he later confronts, uh, or Ziegler confronts Ooh, him, yeah, we'll and, get yeah, to yeah, that. yeah, it's so dark. It's so, and the 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 d- desperation of um, Ziegler to provide a reasonable explanation for the events is is chilling because it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that, I'm sure, but. I think I have one more thing I want to say about this, and then we will move a little bit more quickly through the rest of this because I think it will wrap up soonish, but. I think it also is saying that this is everything. That, like, the choices of the elite, right, that, like, are the people that run the world, it rolls downhill. It is actually, in fact, mm-hmm. trickle-down economics in a tiny way. That, like, they're... Sure. That in them, in them deciding to run a world on pure commodification becomes a world of pure commodification. Yeah, and there's... And this is what you there's, and, and it's in it, it is infused in the movie at every level. Like, in his doctor office, there's a sign, uh, very, very very obvious, uh, the first thing someone's going to see when yes. they walk into reception that says, like, payment is expected if services are rendered. Like, mm. it's, like, yeah. Yep. I caught that. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's a little detailed, but it's, it's obviously there for, for a purpose. 
Right. 100%. And that's why he has to be an American, not a British doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, this this doesn't work in a world. This movie doesn't work in a world with the NHS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. This world doesn't exist if Bernie won. <laughs> Oh god! Oh, oh, don't man. do that, Bernie. Bernie's going after the, <laughs> the sex cabals, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the part where we all, oh, guys. This is the moment when we go. Oh man, too far. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so we we get a little he, bit more of Tom sec- Cruise investigator. Uh, I forget the exact layout sec- of events, but we're moving quickly anyway. In pretty short succession, he realizes he is being followed. <laughs> he reads a paper where he mm. sees that a beauty queen has died of a drug overdose. And there's some, like, yes. very important details in there, like the fact that her two handlers are the ones that inform the police. And then he once right. again uses his doctor privilege to bully his way into the hospital to see this woman. And he is taken yes. down to the morgue, and a uh, I think the one black character yeah. in this entire movie, the uh, the nurse's <laughs> assistant, who like leads him into this room, and opens up the slab, and there's this woman st- like lying on the slab before him that is uh, ostensibly a mirror image of the woman who saved him and potentially the woman who overdosed. Yeah. We don't know any of these things for sure, but they are definitely implying that this is the same person. And Tom Cruise they stares down. They look incredibly down, similar. Yeah, yeah. Stares yeah. down on this dead woman. And then in a very odd scene, leans his head mm-hmm. closer and closer to her face uh, until yeah. he gets within a few inches of her and then stops himself. Oh, it's so weird. Uh, uh, and then you you, you get the you yeah, get the reaction so shot of the of like the orderly who brings him down there, and he's just mm-hmm. like, "The fuck yeah. is going on with this guy? Like, yeah, what, <laughs> what is, is this honky doing? Yeah. Like, one of the very few moments where you get an outside perspective on a thing in this entire yeah, movie, yeah. and it is just like. The obvious horror of like Tom Cruise's existence <laughs> being played across his orderly's face—it's incredible. And, and is that uh, like? It, but he's uh, also, also even just, in that moment, he's actually set a little behind her face. Like he's not actually leaning directly yeah. over her. He's like offset from her, and there's that disconnect mm-hmm. as he is ostensibly si- saving, staring into the eyes of the woman that saved his life by sacrificing her own, uh, and recognizing the true depth of evil of what he has wandered into something that he has been warned about the entire time from nick nightingale who has now disappeared (laughs) to this woman who warned him repeatedly all of the warnings he ignored now he is staring at his in the face and recognizing that like oh like there is there is blood and it is as much on his hands as anyone else's yeah i i also want to say he uh, once again did not help the child the child oh yes yes. child slave prostitute he didn't once again left her to just be sold to whomever yeah he he (laughs) accomplishes uh, literally nothing good in this movie yeah and uh, like i'm just like our Um, uh, just a side note like are doctors just able to show up at a random hospital and use their status as just a doctor to like get into the the morgue like the fucking like yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a sort of unrealistic uh um depiction of his his abuse of authority that he he you know claims to have based on his status within society but i think like it's just it's just like the it's funny funny to to picture just how like unrealistic that actually is because like that would be just like a random doctor showing up like just like (laughs) demanding access to see like a random overdose victim who has no connection to just bizarre (laughs) like 
Oh, uh, so so I heard I so I heard Hottie was dead. Can I see <laughs> <Yeah>. her? <laughs> uh. Okay, so then Tom, then Tom, completely. Okay, so a man has been hauled away. A woman is dead that we are extremely sure was that that OD'd and offered to redeem Tom. And you know, and and his family has been threatened last night a little bit. And so you know what he decides to do? He decides to get his car and drive out to the fucking mansion. Incredible. Incredible. He will not he will just not take no for an idea. He's just like, "No, I should probably keep pushing this." Yeah. Yeah, another exceedingly disconcerting scene where he pulls up to the same gate he was at before, stands at the gate for a while. We see a security camera turn and focus on him. Uh, mm-hmm. and like stare and gaze at him as he is gazing back at it. And then a car comes down the drive and an extremely pissed off elderly man gets out of the car, <laughs> hands him a letter, turns around and departs. Yeah. yeah. And the letter just says, stop your inquiries. We hope the second warning will suffice. You and your family are in danger. It's a quick summary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love also the fact that he he he's driving like a Range Rover or Tom Cruise is like the yeah. fact like it, yeah, it yeah. like how do you have a Range Rover in New York City like it's it's obviously implied that he's wealthy but it's just like it's so <laughs> impractical like what are you yeah like, very funny yeah just dri- uh, Griff lives in New York yeah just 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 to be yeah. right <laughs> just driving no, to New it's... York in a Range Rover uh, driving to work in New York in a Range Rover is is not normal like. <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah. okay so what happens after tom cruise gets the warning before he goes and sees sydney pollock again i can't i i'm blanking so i think he i'm trying to remember uh, i know there's the scene where he realizes he's being followed yeah um, oh that's a good one yeah and i think that may have actually taken place a little earlier because i think it's when he like buys the newspaper and then reads it but that's fine uh and then he returns home before being called out yes because there's that scene where his wife is at the table with his daughter that's right so he comes in and uh he returns home and his wife's like hey he goes in and gets a general beer yeah Yeah. (laughs) and he's just he's always getting drinks he doesn't drink he's ordering cappuccinos and coffees and beers at no point does he like finish the beverage um because he's yeah, completely yeah. sterile. And he's, like, standing in his kitchen. And he's looking at, like, Nicole Kidman looking extremely beautiful. And he's hearing all the stories of, in his head about her fucking in the dream. And she, like, looks up at him very, in his mind, smokily. And he tries to smile like a person and can't quite pull it off. Yeah, well, she's in a very motherly role. She's at the kitchen table. Yes. She's instructing her daughter in how to do math homework. Interestingly, the math homework is about money. They're like talking yeah. about yep. like yep. Uh, adding and subtracting money, uh, of course. which I think is a telling, telling little uh, detail yes. in the commodification. Yeah. They're, they're so training, yeah, she's, training she's in their her little capitalist. Role. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, and, and and smiling up at him, and he is just completely unable to smile back. Uh, and then he is summoned to once again to go out and do his doctor thing at the Ziegler Mansion. And he must exit once more, which brings us to like one of God the the you know the climax of the film is definitely the cabal sex orgy, but this is just yes. such a powerful and terrible scene that we yeah. referenced a couple times. So yeah, take us through what happens in this moment. He is he is brought in to uh, to Ziggler's room. The queasy dance of this scene is incredible. I think what's so interesting is like having a director 
that wasn't that acted occasionally play this guy and then Tom Cruise, which is probably a little bit of a like sort of sly commentary on Kubrick's own role. But get, but but getting Sidney Pollack to play this guy is fascinating. So anyway, so he comes into the one of the most beautiful rooms I've ever seen, this billiard room. Um and <laughs> And so he and so he comes in. Sidney Pollock's trying to butter him up at first. You know, he gives him some scotch. Oh, it's great scotch. Oh, I'll buy you a buy you a whole case. I'll send you a case. Like, oh no, that, that's right. No, 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 that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. And so he's like, you know, what do you? What can I help you with? And he and, and so Sidney Pollock says, Hey, like I, I've got a problem. I need to be frank about it. And uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, and basically my problem is you. You're the problem, dude. Tom Cruise is like, what? Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, I'm so chill. I'm, 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 I'm Tom Cruise. And then he goes, no, dude, I know where you've been. Yeah. I was at the mansion last night. And, and he starts to castigate. And the tone here turns. I think the tone is actually really important. He goes from sort of like chummy to sort of talking about, talking to an employee, talking about employees. Yeah, what the yeah. fuck were you doing there? You are out of your You're depth. out of your element, Bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes from, let me get you some 25-year-old scotch, and hey, do you want to shoot some pool with me, to like, hey, let's talk about the fact that you transgressed. And I and I yep. think the, um, if we're going to connect this to the actual, you know, cabal or whatever they he he references the fact that there were several people there 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 were people at that party who if you knew who they were behind the masks like you would be freaked out of your mind like you would you would know that you're going to be on the clinton kill list like yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he specifically <laughs> says like you wouldn't sleep so well tonight if yeah. you knew he's like if you knew their names i'm not going to tell you their names but if you knew their names you would be afraid yeah which is very which is obviously Ooh. implying that it's like like you know well well-known powerful people either in mm-hmm. business or politics or whatever people that you don't want to you don't want to fuck with yeah it, it says you would know their names yeah and that is troubling enough right. so tom pushes back initially he pushes back about nick and he says nick is fine he's like nick was beaten he goes it's more than he deserved nick screwed up Shouldn't have given you that information. It's my fault. Made me look like an asshole to these people. Yeah, uh, yeah I recommended Nick. And we, we see very clearly now how, like, both Tom and his friends have already been servants of the Cabal even before they were aware of its existence. That, like, yeah, That's what has right. Tom been doing this entire time? He's been serving the needs of Ziggler. Why did he get invited to that party? Because he is a useful tool in the hands of the Cabal. And, and even before he is aware of its existence... And now both Tom and his friend have become an inconvenience to this thing. And uh, Ziegler claims, hey, we just put him on a plane. He's probably home fucking his wife right now. Uh, unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's the, the, the irony of the fact that uh, Nick dropped out of med school and it's implied at the beginning that he's of this lower position because he's playing at yeah. a party yeah. where Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is mm-hmm. invited to with his newfound doctor status but then at the end of the day they're 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 the same little people in in the yeah, eyes of, of the they still went to school together they yeah. yeah they yeah. still went to school together and so then he pushes again about the the beauty queen that died and he says was that the woman that saved me and sydney pollock says yes yes that was and, and, and then tom cruise pushes back like she died what happened to her? And then Sidney Pollock again, because he keeps changing his story, and I think that's important. He goes, yeah. 
look, she, nothing happened to her. You know, she she they we she got her brains fucked out, and then she went home. And then at home, she must have OD'd. Don't know anything more about it than that. Epstein did, in fact, kill yeah, himself. Yeah, well, th- to start with, just to be clear, to start with, Ziegler never references that she died. Like, Ziegler's story is, uh, hey, yeah. you know, I know that seemed bad, but, like, you know, it, what happened would always happen. Yeah. She got her brains fucked out, she went home. And only when Tom reveals, he's like, I went and saw her. Yeah. I saw her body. And That's then right. it becomes this story about, like, hey, well, we can't control what happens after she leaves. Yeah, he's like, oh, she, yeah, she, she was a junkie. Was a ju- it was going to happen anyway. Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Was... You said it yourself, which clearly implies that this the same woman that Tom helped yeah. in the opening scenes of this yes. movie. Yeah. I think and, he, and I think I think he confirms it that it's the same woman. It's yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think if you, like, look at her hair and body, like, it, 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 it's the same person as far as you can tell. Um, and so how does this, how does this scene wrap up, Michael? So once they've sort of come to terms with the reality situation that one man is missing, one woman is dead, uh, yes. there, there comes a point where Ziegler says, what if I told you this was all just an elaborate dream, like a stage mm. act, a play? Like, what if I just told you that, like, none of this was really real in the way you think it is? That, like, you know, bad things happen to people, sure, but that's not something that was a part of what we're doing. You can just choose to see this as a dream. And that's basically the offer is like, hey, close your eyes. You've seen yep. what this is very clearly. And I'm not being very convincing in telling you that it's not as bad <laughs> as you think. So now you have the opportunity yep. to simply shut your eyes and accept a, a reality that you know is fake. Yeah. And it's I mean, if it, it fits with the, the title of the, the overall piece, because at the end, when mm-hmm. him and. Uh, Cruz and Kidman are having that conversation where it's like, oh, our, our eyes are open now. Well, his his eyes are also shut, which is literally in the title. Yeah, I yeah. want to get to the ending because I think there yeah. are a couple meaningful ways that you could interpret it. Yeah. But this is like very clearly the moment. Like, yeah. like Ziegler is yeah. aware that uh, Tom Cruise has been hunting down information. He admits to having Tom Cruise followed, mm. which we see in an earlier yeah. scene. But he says, like, how do you know this? And he says, because I had you followed. And then he's like, you know, it was for your own protection like you know sort of backing out of it but uh but this is this is really the bargain it's like hey you you transgressed you saw things that you weren't supposed to see uh so now you have you this is your one chance you can accept the fact that like you did no you fucking didn't that's right the people in the lower cast get to die and you get to get in line yep that's it that's all you get yeah that's the offer yeah. And it is. And, uh, I don't think we fully emphasize just how chilling this scene is, how good the acting oh my is. Gosh. Uh, it is. <laughs> It is a very frank discussion in a way that we haven't really seen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. aside from Nicole Kidman being frank about her desires and dreams, like this is the one moment where the niceties sort of fall away, and there is a real like New York energy to the way that like Ziggler is communicating this information. He's like, "I'm done fucking around it's with like, you. Stop playing games with yeah. me. I know what you know, and you know what we're talking about. So like, let's be on the same page." And then the cut to. 
and it was all fake. Yeah, and it and was all it was all just pretend. It was all just a good time. I, that's that's funny that you bring up like the sort of New York energy to it because when he gets, I, I mentioned earlier, like this sort of like when Cruz is actually like pushing him here, and he and he gets a little desperate, being like, "You're like, nah, mm-hmm. no, it's the same thing that happened as always." You know, he kind of gets the little New York accent going on. It's like, go on, like, yeah, and, and he right. gets he gets exasperated. He's he mm-hmm. he desperately wants his explanations to be satisfactory. Um, and and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 a very it's a very creepy conversation. Um, but incredible, and, incredible yeah, scene. A lot of a, a lot of implied power and the the class dynamics with with the room and the this like the the, the mm. way he's like sort of like fondling these billiard balls on this table. Oh yeah, right. yeah. On the red bays. Yeah. Oh. Because it's not a green billiard table; it's a red one, which yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about colors and red, and we haven't even talked about Masonic symbols. Like, there's so much to dive into. Oh my gosh. But let's follow Tom Cruise home. He comes home, and he walks through his house. He turns off the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. which I think is an important moment. It's yes. uh, the only yes. time we see the lights go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And he walks into his bedroom, and he sees his wife sleeping, and he sees his mask on the pillow next to her. Stunning shot. Dun, dun, Stunning. Dun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we've already accepted that Tom Cruise misplaced, so to speak, his mask earlier, yes. and now we see it here. And Tom Cruise just breaks down crying, and he wakes Nicole yep. Kidman with his sobbing as he holds the mask and sobs, and he like collapses into her arms as she cradles him and says, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. Mm. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clearly implied that the cabal put it there. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's no other interpretation. Yeah. I think you could. I think you could take a guess that she found it because it's not actually said that she didn't. But I think that's the correct explanation. That like, this is what happened. Like I would, if she had found it, I would expect like her to be waiting up for him when he gets home, like with the mm-hmm. mask and like confront him. She wouldn't just like go to bed and like passive aggressively like put it on his pillow. Yeah, we yeah. perfectly placed on the pillow <laughs> yeah. next to her. <laughs> yeah and she she doesn't wake up with any understanding of what's happening no. she just starts no. holding her husband so yeah I, I i think the I only reasonable explanation is that his house has been intruded upon and they have placed this as the final warning or you know perhaps not even final that yeah. like hey we we know who you are you know the letter is addressed directly to him ziegler goes out of his way to say how he knows he's like yeah obviously we knew that you didn't belong there before we saw you know you had the like deposit check from the costume place in your (laughs) coat pocket you idiot like you know going out of his way to sort of demean tom for how ineffectual he was in his attempts to intercede into this this place beyond his his level uh and so they're just making it very clear they know exactly who he is and have all the access they need to do whatever they want to him as they have already clearly done to these two other people yeah Um, they're they're omniscient they're all knowing they they have agents everywhere um yeah that's right and so, then it cuts to yes Bring Nicole Kidman smoking a cigarette in the dawn light in the living room, having clearly just been told everything. She's crying. She's not wearing makeup. Nicole Kidman, who has been, uh, you know, done yes. up and, and very beautiful throughout this movie, very statuesque, even like even mm-hmm. her nudity is very done in these very sculptural yeah, ways. Yeah. And uh, and now she is just looking so human. Yeah. 
and so broken down. Oh, she looks like and shit. He's clearly like, been told. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, very much so. And and they are she she is reckoning with this story that she has been yes. told that we don't see him tell her, mm. but we can you know obviously understand that he has told her everything. And uh, and they talk a little bit about it. And she doesn't seem to know, like, you know, what her take on it is. And then she says, uh, you know, their kid, Helen, is going to get up soon. And she's expecting to go buy Christmas presents. So the final scene takes place is, is, I love this final scene, in a toy store in New York over Christmas that is crowded. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much in this scene. They're wandering through a toy store. Their kid is sort of like wandering ahead and behind them. They're talking a little bit about, you know, what are they going to do if they're going to be able to move forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many details yeah. that are worthy of its own explanation. Like at one mm-hmm. point, uh, Helen stops and pushes a like baby carrot. Yeah, the the toys, uh, the toys and- that she she points out is very telling. Like she points out the Barbie too. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. A Barbie and a Barbie in fairy costume, which the child had appeared in earlier. Uh, there are tiger, like stuffed tigers on a shelf above the kid's head. And the same tiger is in the sex worker's That's room right. that like on her bed. Uh, the baby carriage appears to be a recreation of the baby carriage from Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Another movie about sex cabals and, and satanic rituals yeah. and how powerful people prey upon women. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so there is a a toy in a box that just says the magic circle. Oh uh, shit! <laughs> oh my yeah. god! There's so much. There's so much just as they wander through, and just the fact that it's a toy store. Yeah. Where, where are we? Where do we end this movie? We end it in commodification, and then there is like, let me tell you the reaction that I initially had, mm-hmm. is that like in some ways this could be read as a sweet yeah. ending. Yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise sort of go off in a corner. They're talking. Their kid has kind of wandered off. And they're having a conversation. And Nicole Kidman says, like, hey, we can we can move forward from this. We can treat it all as mm-hmm. a dream. And Tom says, and, and, and acknowledge that dreams are never really just dreams. Sort of echoing back through the fact that he had this physical dalliance in this other world of possible infidelity and she had this mental one and they sort of talk through like hey we can we can move forward we can have a future together this can be our forever yeah uh and and then zach take me through the final lines so the final line is she says i'm forever i'm not sure about the the final lines yeah uh, she's not sure about forever or that word but that there is yeah it scares her that's right but there is one thing that they need to do as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And he and Tom Cruise. And he says, "What's that?" And she says, "Fuck." And we cut to black. <laughs> She's he'll, he he never says fuck in the movie. Only yeah. her. Yeah. Not yeah. once. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so and so there's a version of this mm-hmm. that is in many ways the most like textual, the most on the surface level that like. He has finally been emotionally honest. He is, she has been furious at him this whole time for being un, un, dishonest about his desires, for these bad understandings he has of her desires, this miscommunication and obfuscation. And he finally, he comes home and he sobs and he tells her everything and he confesses and then they come together and they decide to like build a life together. And that's there. Yeah, I think it's in I the agree. text that like 
that is a reading. Yeah. That... Zach uh, and Grift, take me through some of the so other things that are also. Grift is most passionate Ugh. about this. I want him to. I want him to go off, King. Okay. Go off, King. So there's. Um... As as I mentioned earlier, like the I I always found the sort of like um, Nick, Nicole Kidman's the extent of her reaction mm-hmm. to his story is mm-hmm. very very extreme. Like yeah. she she is completely mm-hmm. she looks completely broken. Like she's like a broken yeah. woman. Like just up. I mean, obviously they were they were up all night. She's been crying for hours. She's she's chain smoking cigarettes. Like she huge bags under her eyes. She does yeah. not look good. Um, I mean. Maybe that's a legitimate response to what um, he was saying, but also like he never acted on any of this, yeah. so it seems a little extreme. So the 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 way it's coupled with another um, the textual reading of the ending is that when you um, when you see the um, like the the uh, their kid uh, sort of like walk off screen before their um, final dialogue scene together mm-hmm. um if if you're if you're very very quick with the stopping and starting the video you can see this like sort of hand come out of the crowd of people which apparently contains people who were um at the at the ziggler's party right yes um, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so they're yeah, there are two people that appear sort of seated uh at, at the initial party are present in this. There is also evidently one of the waiters from the sex cabal yeah. party that is around. Uh, hey, you could chalk this all up to a limited number of extras on a very yeah. small shoot, but, but, uh, but, but it's know, also Kubrick. You know, right. yeah, so yep. it's yep. every, it's every we've seen so far that every detail is mm-hmm. purposeful for the story, for the mood, for the, the textual clues. Um, but so, and, and then she's sort of this, 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 you can very, very briefly see it. I, and I went back cause I never really confirmed before this rewatch that I did for this show, um, that the hand is actually there and it's, it's very, very subtle and you got to catch it right. But there is something there. There is, mm-hmm. and she is, she is sort of like whisked off screen. So I think there, there's also yeah. this, this, so if you're going to read into that, there's this implication that because of Tom Cruise's, um, trans- transgressions, into the the world of the elite the, the price that he'll pay is he has to give up his child to be um uh you know i i guess a, a, a sex slave for the cabal it's and, and i mean people at the time that wasn't that wasn't in the zeitgeist as much right. as it is now it's sort of like a recontextualization of this piece of art based on events that have happened in the real world you know the the whole mm-hmm. the 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 whole jeffrey epstein thing uh the epstein of it yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the epstein of it all yeah stuff that used to be in the realm of loony conspiracies and has been just proven to be just cold hard fact um yeah and it's yeah it's a it's 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 another deeper deeper level of, of reading into it um you know i i think the the timing of, of kubrick's death is incredibly suspicious oh yeah um yeah <laughs> i love it. yeah it's 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 one of those things that you're never gonna be able to prove but you can choose to believe mm-hmm. and, and it makes it it makes it more fun but as as we all are these sort of powerless individuals uh even if we don't have um uh, uh, like pedophile truther podcasts um <laughs> all, all 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 we have to work with is just this series of clues that are like it's it's almost like our own sort of like movie it's our own little thing to investigate for fun and it's not there's nothing we can do about this there's no way to 
we're all just we're all just the the little people like uh like bill harford and nick nightingale and and if we if we ever dare to get too close to the truth i think we know what fate awaits us i definitely think like first of all the hand is there you know i've, I've seen the screenshot and secondly mm-hmm. even beyond the yeah. hand let's even say the hand is you know sort of a cut it is spooky like he intent the daughter is swept away the daughter's like six it's just swept away in this yeah. busy toy store. And I think that is intentional, if nothing else. Yeah. 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 So toy store, essence of commodification, right? right? You know, like it literally dolls, right. you know, like so many elements of just like, what are, what are we doing? Also, it's just weird. Like who takes their kid out shopping for their own it's Christmas so presents when they're weird. six? That's not how Christmas works. Yeah. You fuck. And, and then like, so it's very, it's a very strange thing to be doing. Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and like when they're when they're walking through the store, and she points out the big stuffed animal bear, she's like, "Oh, can I get this? Can I get this?" And the first instinct is to look at the price tag, as if as if to yeah. this family, they, they they're going to be breaking the bank over an oversized teddy bear. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, like yeah, little little reactions like that, where it's just the the commodification and the the capitalist impulse is so so deeply ingrained. Yeah. You know, they are they are they are um, they they are um, playing playing the organ in the vampire's castle. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. And even even if we don't go the full cabal route, which I, I lean heavily towards with especially the two yeah. people being there as an intentional recurrence, but they're still allowing their daughter to wander off into this representative of that commodification. Right. Like just just saunter away. Yeah. And there's even a moment where the daughter sort of like turns back to yeah. them just as if to say like is is this okay is this is this what i should be doing and they just sort of like yeah, yeah honey go, go on go, go on, on. Yeah. like they, they give her that little like reassuring nod to wander off around the corner into this toy store and then they go talk about fucking That's right. and <laughs> That's it's just right. it's so yeah disconcerting and strange and uh, you know again if we if we take this title at its word eyes wide shut they've clearly made their choice uh to simply move forward with each other and uh, and and not not investigate the horrors that uh, he is w- born witness to, experience, seen firsthand, seen the the death, destruction, suffering uh, that all of which he has witnessed and been made aware of, and now here he is just talking about banging his wife, or I guess she's talking about it because he still can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean I think regardless. It- it, it, with the with the like literal the only other child in the movie is a sex life I, how else yeah. am i supposed to interpret this that the same fate awaits her yeah and yeah i think that's important i think uh her name being helen you could do a yes. whole podcast just on names oh in this god. thing yeah but her name being helen the greek god whisked away you yeah. know it it's all there it's all present in the text. Uh, one of the funniest name things I saw is that, and this is evidently like an intention, like obviously everything Kubert is intentional, but like Harford, Bill's last name is Harford. Yeah. And I guess that came because Kubert decided he wanted a Harrison Ford type. So he just made his last name Harrison Ford Harford. <laughs> oh I love that so much. Harrison Ford would have been an interesting oh choice. Stupid and funny. <laughs> 10 years earlier. Uh, Steve Martin was evidently one of the early picks because this was this was a movie that Kubrick had in his yeah. mind his entire career. Yeah. He'd been working on this idea since the seventies, uh, so like this is something that went through a lot of iterations before it got to what we see on screen. Steve yeah. Martin is the oh, was like the Steve Martin, yeah. 
like yeah would would that be like a more straight up like comedy like it's yeah it's such a good question i don't know i, I, don't I think we know. should re- film this movie every year every few years with new cast to see what happens yeah th- this should this should be entered into the reboot culture we all live under now i i don't need 15 <laughs> spider-mans i need 15 eyes wide shuts i think yeah i i think i think we need to make the ziggler character like a very obvious epstein stand-in oh man right yeah, like an even more yeah, obvious say, epstein right? stand-in yeah uh and, and that's actually even more perfect because even ziggler who is clearly a part of this class yeah. is feeling somewhat exposed that's right. yeah that's right. like like you can tell he's not the biggest name mm-hmm. in the room he is a member but he is not the the, the red hooded figure he is not truly the one in control right. which mirrors sort of epstein's role as being very much a procurer right. of horrors for the elite and a partaker in horrors himself uh, but not not the biggest man in, on the plane. A lot the of the world's time. yeah, the and, world's and, richest bag man. Yeah, let's let's bring this home. How having been through this journey together, what are our takeaways? What are we what are we what are we carrying forth from this? Uh, Griff, Griff, do you want to go? Um, I mean, I think it's the 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 meaning the meaning of christmas is definitely not this exactly. it's, it's not it's not the, the consumerism displayed because like the it, this is is a christmas movie but only through yeah. the like just very like shallow aesthetics in the background and mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. um the sort of critique of consumerism that it that it makes sort of not not in your face but in a sort of uh you know like a like a textual reading like like we've done here but it's you know that that's always a factor when it when it comes to christmas time you know i'm fucking i'm on the internet shilling uh irony poison culture (laughs) war christmas war on veteran beanies you know it's Uh it's it's Uh inescapable it's uh so i get you know in, in these in these times when you know like covid's fucking coming back a lot of people can't see their family it's it's we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta remember the 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 spirit of the the holiday is uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's the it's the winter solstice the, the, the like the hardest times for us little people you know we just gotta gather right. around what lights that we have and what people that we have and and, and, and enjoy the actual human experiences which almost no characters in this movie are are able to do you know mm unexpectedly sweet but i love it i uh yeah yeah i uh i I think the christmas stuff plays really well i think what is christmas but an intensely commodified thing that used to mean something else and here we are seeing the intense commodification of sex and human life play out before us i think it i think it genuinely like there is no discourse for me about whether eyes wide shut is a christmas movie it so clearly is like the the lights are the least important part of the the themes and messaging that attach this thing to christmas uh i was absolutely blown away this is my first time watching this movie uh it existed as myth and legend in my childhood i think it came out when i was like 12 and it was just like oh yeah that movie with all the naked people so many naked people they had to cover up some of the naked people and i just (laughs) even as i had in my later years gone through a bunch of kubrick stuff and and considered myself a fan i just never engaged and i just absolutely entranced horrified i have never seen a a piece of media speak so directly uh to the vision of the world that i struggle with carrying with me all the time (laughs) 
Like it's just it's it's too on the nose. It's too perfect, and I I am frustrated by that it both exists as this incredible critique of this horrific system we all live under, and as art that it is a very effective art. <laughs> it is unfair yeah. to me that it is so good as a movie and as a, a piece of media, in as much as it is also this deep and horrifying exploration of the petite bourgeois and how they choose to be party and parcel to the horrors at the core of our existence. Like it just it, it annoys me how good it is yeah and, and it's, like it's, it's just like succession the uh, the, the fact ahead. that the fact that a piece of art is gr- ext- much more relevant 20 years after it came out because like this came out what in 99 yeah it's like you mentioned earlier it's the end of history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no the the um the the satanic pedophile cabal was just in the realm of insane new world order conspiracy theories black helicopters un shit you know it is mm-hmm, the, these mm-hmm. things have metastasized into the into the public consciousness and and particularly in like when when did uh when was epstein uh killed uh, 2019 so it's literally 20 mm-hmm. years yeah. after it was released it's it's full potency was just like lurking underneath the surface and just ready ready to to come out as as the like literally the world wasn't ready for this movie yeah like <laughs> yeah 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 which is echoed in people's reaction to it which is very very interesting i mean this was a thing through a lot of kubrick's work that it wasn't appreciated when it happened and only later mm-hmm. sort of recognizes what it was but uh but yeah i know like even just the term erotic thriller which is how every <laughs> every you know movie review sort of gives up and describes this as uh but it's such a poor understanding of what we're dealing with like it is it is a surgical incision into what a marriage is at the same time that it it speaks to issues much larger than itself and uh, I, I I just it's funny to watch people struggle to even comprehend it in the moment uh, mm. that we now with the benefit of twenty years of of horrible existence can look back on and be like yep <laughs> it's just this is just this is just Nat Geo man this is Discovery Channel this is just reality <laughs> playing out in front of us. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a true it, true piece of American art for sure. I uh, my final thoughts are like this is a movie not just about capitalism though it is about capitalism because that is the sort of current name we give most of the evil in our culture. It's a movie about how it's everything. The personal is political. It's about how capitalism and evil is pervasive. It is every single thing you do. You know, it's kind of like Baudrillard's hyper real. If we're gonna get super pretentious about it, but that like society is made up of things you can never understand. And even Ziegler doesn't even really understand how fully this has been put together. That this is, we are, you know, we the, sleep, the old ones in the Lovecraftian way sleep beneath us and we are just kind of trying to figure it out. And it's, it's a movie about being haunted by that and that, like, it will destroy you or you will accept it. It's, it is... It is truly a, a bleak film in that way about the world around us. And I think it will only get truer with time. I, I was blown away. It might, be, it might be the greatest studio film in the last 30, 40 years. It's insane. Yeah, it's, I feel a little embarrassed to be in my 30s having this cliche moment of like, Kubrick makes good movies. But it just feels like it, you kind of had to be in this moment to fully appreciate what it's going for. And uh, God, I... Uh, I could I could continue rambling on about this movie forever. It's worth a watch. It's it's a punishing watch. Just be aware if this is not the kind of media that you intake on a regular basis. There is a lot as we have discussed <laughs> at length in there, but it is uh, 
absolutely incredible and i can't wait to do three more podcasts about you know sound design and editing and <laughs> the shots and camera movement and oh yeah we could literally just walk through scene by scene and all the all the red and in like the blue light yep. coming in through the windows mm. and the oh my god it's it's gorgeous you could do 10 or 15 podcasts in this movie from different angles easily without having to try yeah. too hard yeah yeah, it's a. I found a couple things. I think I may have referenced. I don't know if I did, but the second I got out of watching this movie, I read a thirty thousand word blog post about it. That was essentially, if you remember, Room Two Thirty Seven, that sort of delved down the conspiracy theories and themes at play in The Shining, often to a certain ridiculous extent. This was all of that and more, but out of one person's brain, and I was here for it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more about the story this is based on. Tell me more about the mythical illusions and the columns and the free. Freemasonic symbols. Uh, and then the other thing that I found is a shot by shot walkthrough of the film that sort of spends pages on every single shot. And I was like, well, this is this is the next stage of my insanity <laughs> is reading all of this. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do a a, a shot by shot remake at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's no, I was it, thinking I was like, oh, I need to like buy books about this. That's the kind of movie this is. I, and and so yeah, can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, Grift, uh, do you have any closing thoughts before I uh, let you two gentlemen go about your day? Um, just if if you're gonna go watch this for the first time, just like put your phone away. Like just watch, just you gotta experience it with no distractions because there's just so many details just packed into every corner of the of the the scenery and the dialogue and the performances and yeah, it's a it's a true piece of art that deserves to be um, like uh, it 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 deserves to be consumed in an unadulterated environment. Like just um, yeah, like uh, yeah. Don't don't watch it if you're if you're uh, seeing your parents for the holidays. Don't watch it with them. Maybe uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. That's the key. That's the key. If if any if anyone is still managing to see family this Christmas, just put it on. Put it on. Do it's a wonderful life, and then eyes wide shut. Yeah, double feature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double double feature of American Christmas movies right there. Like, oh my gosh. Oh. So fucking funny. Grifta, you mentioned your irony poison beanies. Oh, Tell God. us more about where people can oh, find yeah. this. As always, uh, Gr- take me through the toy shop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get lost in the toy shop. Get lost in the Grift shop. No. Grift, um, sell you online. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's always, it's uh, Grift.shop, um, the, the, the War on Christmas veteran. Uh, it's It pops every, every season. This is the third annual War on Christmas there. So. That's right, baby. Um, go check that. The, it's the, one of my favorites. It, yeah, it's an, it's an all-time classic. Uh, I hope when I eventually sell it as an NFT, I get uh, handsomely rewarded <laughs> for it. Um, but, yeah. Well, I, it will go great with the release of Griff Coin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. the, 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 the Grift, Grift Coin on the, on the Griff chain. Exactly. Ooh, um, there we go. But, yeah, the, the, the shop, it's it's got a – I did a – uh, new design of it relatively recently. I think it's laid out pretty well. Got all sorts of collections for different. Yeah, it looks great. Different collaborations I've been I've been doing, and uh, always always lots of stuff in the works. Um, 
so yeah, Griff.shop, and then um, I have a podcast with um, uh, Kelton from uh, the, the originally from the Dolphin Garage Collective uh, called Garbage In, mm-hmm. Garbage Out. Uh, we uh, recently changed the format where we're now uh, sort of in a pardon the interruption sports show style running down the top like entertainment stories of the past week uh, where we do like three minute segments on each. So it's it's super fast. It's super fun. It's just us just riffing in real time. Um, so check that out. And uh, yeah, we got a we got a we started a Patreon for that recently. Um, we got a lot of old episodes where we do like individual movies that have uh, recently come out or thing, things from the vault that would be funny to do so we got a good variety of stuff there so yeah uh, uh yeah i, gig, I love, I love all of that. on twitter yeah yeah we have we have, we have oh, yeah, give time. them a follow and subscription absolutely um excellent and, all right I'll, go ahead Oh, and um, I mean, we we've been talking about a, a merch collab for a while, so I think we got to at, at some point we got to finally hammer that out. I know I got, Hell yeah. yeah, I was um, I, I got sort of caught up in my move to New York uh, when we were originally talking about that, but now that I've sort of settled and and, and whatnot, I think I, I think I think that the the the, the time is right to, to strike at some point with that. So I don't know, maybe I, we could figure something eyes wide shut themed out. Yeah, exactly. Zach's yeah. face on Tom Cruise's body or. Nicole Kidman's. Oh, both. <laughs> um, both. It's a mirror. And Grift Coin. Look for Grift Grift Christian's coin coming to you at a, <laughs> yeah. at a wallet wallet soon. <laughs> yeah, you can. You uh, the the uh, doctor bills of the future will just they won't they won't have hundred dollar <laughs> bills in their wallet. They will have Grift coins. <laughs> be, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh gosh. To pay All off right. everyone in sight with those. <laughs> <laughs> so funny alright should we call it gentlemen yeah hell yeah let's do it alright my name is Zachary Allard you can find me at twitter at Zachary underscore Allard uh, my name is Michael Tabor you can find me at Michael Tabor and uh, I, yeah <laughs> oh no uh, ahead, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm Grift you can find me at Grift Shop that's <laughs> my real name nice. and uh, follow the pod at shitty underscore pod I hope all of our listeners have an excellent holiday. Be good to your people. Stay safe out there. It's a rough time. We'll see you in the new year. Bye.